got the real deal now. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Podcast. Yo! It's going to be here, Tony, as always, with my good friend and co host, Paul Brown. How do you do? <laughs> and we're here for what wasn't initially planned to be a two parter, but as with most retrospectives that we will inevitably do when there's so much to cover, yeah, it, is, it so. probably will end up being a, a two more two parters going forward. Yeah, so deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Double the Scott and Pauls, because I know you all wanted that. Some of you, maybe. Some of you maybe did. Some of you maybe don't, but usually don't. Well, don't listen. Screw you. <laughs> usually want to listen. You're all good people. We love you. We appreciate you. We will continue to do so. I wouldn't I, uh, pay too much attention to Paul being so loving to you right now, because a lot of that is because you know he, he's a bit half-cut at the back. Hey, no, he's on a no. bit of a buzz right half now. Half-cut or no, I appreciate our listeners to the fullest extent. I really do, because, you know, they put up with us, we listen, we listen to them, we, we, we put out our content for them, it's all good, and as I say, for those that don't appreciate us, fuck them, that's what I say, not to our listeners, but to the ones that don't appreciate us, fuck them. So not to the listeners, but to some listeners, but you don't want to be listeners, Fuck him. Fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> but if you are here, I'm assuming you're here because you want to hear about the European title. Huh? And we love you, man. Yeah. I love you, man. I've also been watching that scene from uh, from Wayne's World before this. Let's do it. No. I love you, man. I love, I think so. I love you, Terry. You have to be Garth, I don't man. want to be Garth. You have to do the Wayne bit first before you do the Garth bit. Okay. No, I don't want to do it. You've ruined okay, it. Okay, you've ruined it now, Scott. No, you ruined it. <laughs> you ruined it. Anyway, how should we be in Scott? Well, first, I was going to say you're obviously here because you want to hear about the European title. And, oh, hell yeah. But now you have to sit through, as Paul said, you have to put up with uh, us talking about Wayne's World, apparently. But, <laughs> but I was saying, like, if by some reason, somehow, through life decisions, that you've ended up here listening to part two and haven't listened to part one, well, then pause this, go listen to part one, and then. Uh, we, when that when that's done, come back here because otherwise you'll be totally confused. Yeah, you'll be you'll be lost. Because we're not going to do it previously on. If you're not if you're not caught up, then that's on you. Previously on <laughs> Scott Paul, this happened. They talked some shit yes. for reasons, and for some reason, some people listened, and there was much rejoice. Hurrah! It <laughs> <laughs> was my week, Paul. Well, you know, you know, you know, you know. Trying to balance work and podcasts and. You know, not let it get to you and shit like that, you know. Did, when you, you, did you drink? No. See, that's why you weren't feeling it so well. You need to drink to balance things. Yes, I know, but I'm also we're recording this. You'll probably hear it the week after it comes out because I'm going to upload part one, you know, admin and all that such. But I'm at, I'm at the day, last few days before I'm paid, so I like to hang on to what money I do have, ah. which means I, I don't spend a lot of money in those days because if I do, then I'll... And I'll think, oh, it won't be too much out of what I have now to buy this thing and then this thing. Yeah. And then I looked like, Jesus, how did I end up with so little money before I get paid? You're like, oh no, I am poor. 
Oh no! Wow! <laughs> then I say, say my mum or dad, like, oh, can I borrow just this little amount? Which then I then pay them back once I get paid. But then that means that I've got this much less, and then I get then I borrow again at the end of the month, and then pay them back. And it's caught in a vicious I've, cycle. I've been paid, but I don't have any money. Maybe if you just have a little change. <laughs> change. <laughs> yeah. I'm at South Park. That episode of the homeless. It's all good. I don't think a lot of people will get it. I was confused as to what the fuck you were on about, but alright. Oh, oh, come on. Some A lot of people know South Park episodes, man. Some people know those episodes like Gospel. <laughs> Not all of them, but maybe you. I know the good ones like Gospel, the shit ones I pay no attention to. <laughs> but, Paul, we were talking about the weekend that'll just have passed when the people listen to this, but it's ahead of us when you were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, you know. It's a contract of human perception. Time. I say as I wave my hands. Time. Time and things. Time and mysticism and shit. And hey, Pinot Grigio. Hell yeah. But anyway, I'll tell you, Paul, I will be visiting my brother where we will be what, catching up on many of the TV shows that he and I like to watch because we're lazy people and we watch a lot of television. That's awesome. I, I've heard you speak fondly of your brother. Unfortunately, I've never met the dude, but he seems like a good sort. He is a good sort. So, that's cool. Hello yeah. to Scott's brother. Oh, he's not going to listen to this because he's an arsehole. <laughs> I can call him that. I don't, I don't know you, Scottish brother, so I can still say you're all right. So, hey, man, how you doing? Do you like drinking? Hell hey, yeah. He's someone involved in podcasting. He does ESSR, but he's not a big listener to podcasts himself. Is he much like myself? He will be involved, but listen very rarely. Probably, yeah. Because I, I, I don't listen to myself a lot because you know, I don't want to hear myself a lot. Well, you don't have to listen to your own podcast, but you can listen to other podcasts. I, well, I, I am I am actually quite fond of listening to the Jim Cornette podcast myself. Ah. Because, you know, I like the way that man thinks. He <laughs> calls thought, a lot of people do, but alright. He right. calls Vince Russo a shit stain. Mm-hmm. I'm good with that, because he is a shit stain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, he's a total shit stain. And from what I was watching on the most recent Jim Cornette podcast... Uh-huh. He loves to take other people's stories and attach them to himself. Because... Good old shit, Stan. Yes, you know? yes he does. Because why does he do that, people ask? Because he has no relevant information of his own history because he's just a shithead. Mm. Very much, yeah. Like, likes to take credit for people like The Rock and like anything good about the attitude he takes credit for. Yeah. Shouldn't he just take credit for the things that were negative with fucking Attitude Era, like people dying? Well, mm. you know. Yeah, but like, you, he does, he did have a few things that he, he was, like, get, just get some credit for. Like, apparently he was a big thing behind the putting together of the Deadly Game tournament, which is he's, he's one thing that even people who hate him most will give him credit for. Is that his, like, magnum opus? Pretty much, yeah, because it was filled with matches that didn't go very long up until the end, which is a... Uh, which is a Vince Russo staple because Vince Russo is a wrestling writer who didn't like wrestling. Well, according to Jim Cornette, he's a wrestling writer who does not like wrestling, does not know wrestling, does not understand wrestling, and has no competent ideas of his own. Like, like he's someone who takes credit for other people who from the Attitude Era, and yet one of the best things I've heard that shows his stupidity is uh, from a Bruce Bedford, another person who's not very popular, but this is when he was still fairly popular on his podcast, and he did an episode, he and Conrad, about... The Rock's first few years, like 97, 98 time or the yeah. Rock, and they talked about putting him in the nation, and he's, according to Bruce Pritchard, you know, so even though Bruce Pritchard has a tendency to... And not, not to be nitpicky, by the way, Scott, but 
Rocky Maivia debuted in 96. Yes, no, but they were talking about 97. Ah, they were specifically talking yes. about 97. Okay. Well, he didn't do much in 96, so he debuted, and like it was, all, it was right towards the end, so basically the, a yeah, lot of the yeah. stuff that was worth talking about is in 97 almost, because like, he wins the title, yeah. it's injured, comes back, joins the nation, and stuff picks up from there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, they were talking about how it was Russell kind of being made responsible for basically finding something for The Rock when he came back, you know, as one of the main writers. And he came to Bruce because he was struggling for ideas and everything. He was chatting back and forth. And uh, Bruce said to him, oh, why don't you put him in the nation of domination? He goes, oh, I can't do that. Why not? Oh, he's not black. And then Bruce went, yes, he is. He's half black, half Simone, you dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Bruce Russell didn't know that The Rock was half black. <laughs> Jesus no, because you know his daddy's such a white guy, you know, yeah. uh, Rocky Johnston, so white. I didn't, I didn't know Rocky Johnston was from Canada as well. I only recently found that he's out. A Canadian, he's yeah. a, he is Canadian. So the oh. Ro- Rock's a, a half black, half Samoan Canadian, part Canadian, part Samoan, you know, kind of thing. That's quite an interesting yeah. sort of like genetic makeup, where you know. Yeah, it's weird because I know the Rock went to Canada for a while, and he's uh, not a so successful football career before transitioning. Into pro wrestling. wrestling, yeah. So yeah, but I didn't know. So he, he I only watched it because I was watching a video on like great uh, best like Canadian wrestlers, and they're doing an honorable mentions list. And through the names, just went Rocky Johnson. And I was like, oh, I didn't know Rocky Johnson was a, a was Canadian. a Canadian. Yes, Rocky Johnson was Canadian. Yes, he was <laughs> from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, Vince Russo was saying we should be talking about. But I said I was going to go with my brothers. No, too. no. No one should be talking about him. No. That's why he wants us to be talking about him, so we shouldn't be talking about him. Hey, Russo, you're a dick. <laughs> so I'm going over there to watch our TV shows that we like to watch, but we're also watching Impact uh, Against All Odds, and we're going to watch Money in the Bank. Hells yeah. I'm, I'm watching, on the Friday, I'm watching this week's Impact, uh-huh. and then I'm, like yourself, watching Against All Odds, and then I'm watching Money in the Bank, and... Mm. Much like you said to me pre-show, uh-huh. I'm very much on the same page as you. I think like Rollins or Drew for the win for that one. But who do you think um, for the women's? Do you have any standouts you think for the women's? Because I hear a lot of talk of uh, Liv Morgan uh-huh. being a possible. I don't personally see her winning it myself. I personally think uh, Big Time Bex is a, a good th- shout for that. I think maybe Liv Bex because, you know... I think they were maybe setting up, if not at Money Bank, then maybe SummerSlam or something like that for Rhea Ripley to, uh, before her unfortunate injury, to yeah, yeah. take the title from Bianca Belair. You mean Belair. when she went and concussed herself with her own knee? Yeah, that was quite important. <laughs> no, she's that tough. No one can injure Rhea Ripley except for Rhea Ripley. Well, that's true, man. Rhea Ripley's a shit, man. They say you're your own worst enemy. No one can take out Rhea Ripley except for Rhea Ripley. Yeah, she's sitting there going, look, no, no, no. I'm taking myself out, not in the use. So like, if, so, like, if Rhea was still in the room but the scene, given their former history, maybe I would have said Liv Morgan. I still maintain Liv Morgan should have won last year's one, but that's just me. That's just, who won last year's one? It's fucking Nikki, the superhero. Oh, fuck. I saw she dead. Oh, it's someone who pals I know still say, oh, we should still support her because she's Scottish. Like, I'm not supporting you just because you're from the place no, I'm no, from. No, you don't. That, that's you not, know, I'm sorry to cut in, but yeah. that is utter bullshit. Uh, you know, Nikki, Nikki Ash, right? Nick, Nikki fucking Cross, whatever the fuck you want to call her. Uh, right. See, when she was sanity chick, yeah. I would have supported that chick to the fucking end of the fucking planet. She was cool as fuck. But 
Nicky almost superhero mm-hmm. is a wanker. Quite frankly, is a wank. Mm-hmm. And you know it's bad when you fucking use that terminology with a fucking chick wrestler, but she is a wank biscuit. Like, and I don't mean the, the woman herself, because yeah. she is... She seems cool as fuck, mm-hmm. but that character just is terrible for her. Yeah, I you mean, know? I like, I'm not good. Like, I like Drew. It was cool when he won the run when you knew a Scottish guy was going to go on a WrestleMania. Yeah, that was cool. But, but, but that's not the only thing he has going for him that makes you support him. He's no, like, he's, a, he's a big, hefty fucker. He's cool. Mm. And when he's not... No, when they don't overly try to, to script or make his Scottishness part of his gimmick, he can cut a good promo. Right. And... He's a Rangers man. <laughs> so he has many things like going for him other than his nationality. Aye. But do you know what really made me go for him? Mm. Apart from the nationality and if I think he's cool as fuck and I think he should, I personally think he should have kept the Scottish psychopath fucking yeah. gimmick. You know, the big fucking trench coat and shit. Mm. But see when Rangers won the title <laughs> and he went and posted that wee picture he said high five and his cat. <laughs> That's what I was set on him because he was like, Yes, man! <laughs> you know, high five with his kitty. And myself, I am a kitty lover. I have my cat, wee Milo. He's chilling now. We had, we had to move him just before the show so Scott could sit to record the show, but I gave him a treat. He seemed happy. He, he gave me a look. Did well, Milo give you a look? He gave me a look after I took his seat. Was he like, I'm supposed to be sitting there, cunt? Pretty much. If Move I, it, my if fucking I can't, if seat. I, if I can't knew the word cunt, he would have used the word cunt. <laughs> he knows the word cunt. Well, he lives, a, he lives in your house, so yeah, he's probably heard that nah, word. He knows that word. He, know, he knows how to cuss. So I, I, my cat. As I was saying, I think Becky is probably the favourite because, obviously, I'm sure the, uh, the way I do it is a sort of trilogy almost, you know, the SummerSlam mm. match last year, then the WrestleMania match, Bianca and Becky, and then... Why I just—I mean, they don't need the money back to facilitate it. No, they don't need it, but it does it kind of work story-wise. And plus, know? like Becky's been taking losses against people that some people have made says maybe she shouldn't. Have. She's been losing a lot more frequently. I mean, when I, she when she lost against fucking Dana Brooke, I was like, I mean, for fuck's sake! Well, it was an Asuka-assisted kind of win. Asuka's but, a pain in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> so she is. But like that's what I'm saying. Like uh, Empress of fucking tomorrow, Empress of fuck yourself. Where you go? Else. What I'm saying is, though, she's been, like, basically said, like, in- excluding the time that she'd been away having her kid, obviously she'd held the belt for, like, almost a year, mm. vacated it, it, came back and then immediately won another belt, they had to swap, did that weird swap with Charlotte, and then lost it, so, in the time that she, in, those, in like, a three-year span, excluding the time that she was off, she was a champion for as long as she was active, yeah. and then so she's lost the belt. And then is losing a lot more. She's not used to losing. She's going a bit fucking mental, so she is. And so I the like I- mental Becky. So the idea, basically, she's she, all she knows is winning. So she finally manages to win the money back. Because like, yes, I'm back. I'm winning again, and I can get my belt back with a briefcase. <laughs> so yeah, I think Becky is the favorite. It's weird to think that she's not already been missed money in the bank. Yeah. So I think this is a good story. I to hope. Do. I personally, personally, I hope she wins, mm-hmm. and I hope she takes that briefcase. And beats Bianca Belair to fucking death with the damn thing. I hate that woman's character so much. Like, I have no personal hatred or anything against the woman. I'm sure she is cool as fuck. Because mm-hmm. she seems like it. But that character is awful, man. That character of her just skipping to the fucking ring, waving that stupid fucking ponytail around. And she ain't even, I mean, she's a power wrestler, right? Yeah. She's got nothing but power. 
Like, apart from the men's power, which I fucking appreciate, the chick is powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I props to her on that. Mm-hmm. But she reminds me so much of the power wrestlers of the past. Like, what else have you got but power? You know? What else does she have but, I mean, like, more, decent power? I think she's a more agile than you're giving her credit for. It. No, but she doesn't She doesn't utilise her agility a lot. Could we, could we maybe express our dislike for characters other than wishing they, they'd be beaten to death in future? The characters. I know, I know, you're, not, I know you're not wishing literal death, but, you no, know, no, it's like, a very, it creates a very vivid image with the briefcase just... Well, I, I, I do not mean it as that, and I, I mean it against the character, not against the person, Scott. Just, just Becky, like, buddy, awesome power, keeps getting back up. Why won't you die? Yeah, I would, I would probably meet Bianca Belair and go, man, you're cool as fuck, you know, for being powerful and shit, but I, I do not appreciate her character at all. I, mean, I, I would tell her that in a, in a much more respectful way, you know what I mean, than I am at the moment with my alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you know. know. But, um... Like I say, I'm I'm very appreciative of Bianca Belair, like power wise, blah blah blah. But I just like the character grates on me. Yeah, I very get, much so. You know? It, you know, different people have different opinions of different characters. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Some, yeah. There may be people who are fans of Bianca Belair. There are people who are else who aren't fans of Bianca and Belair. And believe me, this is me trying to make myself seem less aggressive. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> explain myself better because I, I do not wish any ill or any negativity towards the person I wish it wholeheartedly towards the character yes unlike Vince Russo we wish harm to both his character and oh him. hell yeah I wish he would fuck off and die <laughs> but Paul no I don't even wish that to Vince Russo I just wish he would fuck off yeah just just please stop talking Vince yeah Russo. stop talking Vince Russo just go and go and play with your silly cunt I beg your pardon alright well <laughs> Better place we sell in the wrestling business, he ruined that. But anyway, I tried to do a Vince Russo impression on a podcast recently. Did you go, Bruh. No, and I was, trying, I was going heavily on the, you know, thing and the fact that he always says, I swear to God. And I swear to God, man, I swear to God. I I did that, and I did this, and I went and came up with that. But no, also, you didn't. I, I tried doing it. But the longer I did it, the more I made the him. Sicker you felt. No, the more I made him sound like Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons. I uh, uh, I swear uh, to God, man, I did not mean to put this company into the ground. I, I uh, came up with the Deadly Games tournament. <laughs> yes, but what else have you done? Ah, uh, <laughs> like WCW opens a big case of money. Did I hear a briefcase opening? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like he's like Mayor West with fucking Family Guy. Like everybody burn him. What can I do? <gasps> Jingle keys. <laughs> Couple more weeks in WCW. That's where we would have done in a segment. Look, Jingle keys. <laughs> Look, title belt. <laughs> no, Vince. No, no, no. You are Vince Russo, not Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon may be a cockbag, but at least he's an intelligent one. You are not, Vince. You are not, and you will never be. You know, so, Paul, please tell people about your weekend. You know, you had a fun day with your mother. That's why I bet you're a bit buzzed. I did. I I went to a new bar with my mother today. Where where is this bar? What is it called? Well, it's not so much a new bar. It's just like, you know, when a bar... It's new for you. Newly furbished, newly named. You know, it's a local bar to me, and I went with my mother and had a few drinks... I had, I had, 
<laughs> about four or five bourbons and two beers and now I'm drinking a bottle of wine. It's a drinky day for me, Scott. Mm. You know, it's a drinky day. <laughs> but um, also I, I procured new tapes and not videotapes from my wrestling collection. Videotapes from my lesser spoken of metal slash music collection. Yeah, he's got a little collection of tapes hung up in his, uh, in his living room with some posters and sunsets. Hell yeah, I got Drilling Levine 1 and 3 and MTV Rocks. You know, what happened to Drilling Levine 2? I still need to purchase that. <laughs> I need to purchase Drilling Levine 2 and 4. Did they, for a second I thought, did they think the Drilling Levine was so intense it went and skipped from 2 and went straight to 3? Well, no, the, the good gentleman on eBay who sold me these, he sold these as a package. And he sold all three for 15 quid with no postage, which I thought was very reasonable. Uh, it does seem very reasonable. Very reasonable. And that MTV Rocks one, yeah. in particular, that is my favourite one because it has so many... Like, I, let, let's be honest about it, I'm almost fucking 40. Uh-huh. I'm not happy about it. No one's happy about being almost fucking 40. It sucks dick. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, this MTV Rocks, this is basically my youth in a videotape. And it makes me very happy, and it probably makes me sound very sad to the listeners, but you know what, fuck it. Makes me happy, damn it. You should be happy, because everyone has their own versions of nostalgia, and everybody embraces a lot more than it should, so fuck what everyone else says about it. Fuck everyone, yeah. That's that's the message of the day for Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Fuck it. Although whenever I hear uh, someone talk about something that's nostalgic, all I can think of is the Daryl Bean joke. Where he talks about people who he doesn't, who doesn't like people who say things were better in the old days. Like just because you were younger, getting laid more often doesn't mean things were better off. He, he jokingly went, uh, "Yes, it does." He, he jokingly went, "Nostalgia is heroin for old people." It really is. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, better in the old days." It really <laughs> is. The name of the, the, the only thing about that tape that makes me sad is when that tape came out, you were two. Well, there you go. That makes me incredibly sad. And again, whenever you mention, oh, you were this one, that happened, like, wasn't 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 my choice to be born at a certain time. Nothing I can do about it. Well, Scott, I, I wish you had been your age when I was the age you were before you were whatever age you are now. That doesn't make any what sense. What age are you now? I'm 25, I'll be 26 in September. Well, see if you were, like, like 16 or something uh-huh. when I was 16. That would have been cool, man. We would have went to gigs, man. Because that would have made you go to gigs. I don't know how we'd have, be, we'd have became fells uh, when we were 16, to be fair. Because it that would have would, very, that would happened, person. man. That was a very awkward 16-year-old. I was an even awkwarder 16-year-old. Well, everything has to be a competition with you, doesn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> I, I did what you didn't do at 16 more. I found my coping mechanism. <laughs> Drinking. Drinking was my coping mechanism. Still is today. <laughs> I was going to say, what do you mean was your coping mechanism? <laughs> Huzzah! That implies you've stopped at any point. Wine! <laughs> yes, you do do, you fair, do a fair bit of that as well. Anyway, where the fuck were we? Well, I was talking to you about your week before we went on yeah, tape. Yeah, those, those tapes. I got the tapes. What, what is Drilling the Vein just one? Drilling the Vein is like, it was a... Uh, it was a Roadrunner Records production. Uh, uh-huh. If any of our listeners are curious, Roadrunner was like a big metal yeah. record label, and it's like like the releases of the band's record, mm-hmm. the band's videos at the time. And like you've got Fear Factory, Machine Head, Cold Chamber, uh-huh. 
Biohazard, all these kick-ass bands in all their videos, it's, it's just fun to watch. Like most of my metal videos I have, I have a whole mixture of live tapes and, you know, music videos, it's all cool shit. You know, if I actually had a working video player, I would, I would one day I would sit you here with a bottle of drink and we would watch them all. <laughs> One of these days you're going to get to get that video player because you've been talking about getting a video player I have, for a long I time. I have. Do you know how long it's been since I watched one of my tapes? No, I don't. Why don't you tell me? A long time. <laughs> Do you okay. know the last one of my tapes I watched? I still remember. Go ahead. I'll give, I'll give you a clue. It was a Survivor Series. Which year? Oh. Which year did I last watch? Ninety-one. Oh. Two. Ain't Add one. Ah, ninety. No, ninety six. Uh, I was about to say ninety six. Yeah. All you got me. All you let me do is say the ninety. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott. Yeah, ninety six. That was the last one. That was in the back of my mind. I thought, no, that's that's too odd because we've talked about it in the past. No, well, you you win a point for that one because it was ninety six. I I watched that one a lot because. Yes, I I was the big I had the biggest boner for early Sean. But ninety six was all about fucking Sid, man. All about Sid. Quite literally who was the man? Sid was the man. Hell yes. Also an part of an interview with Sean on a podcast recently and he was he was chatting and the guy asked him about his uh you know, I know how he like became a different person between going away with his injury and coming back. <laughs> when he decided to find his imaginary friend. Is he really didn't talk a lot and a lot about religion in that section. That's good. He, he briefly mentioned, right, acknowledges it because he said, like, I don't want to be the guy here thumping the Bible and all that. Said, good he, thing. He said, right, so I don't imagine he's one of the guys who over who just goes on about it to you if you're not interested. He talked about how he talked about it with other wrestlers who were also believed in it. Like he said, he and Eddie Guerrero had many discussions about it. Well, Eddie Guerrero had a lot of time for his faith and whatnot. Yeah, so yeah. I, Eddie, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it had a lot to do with his upbringing. I think he was a lot more into it after yeah. he had like some serious, like near, like yeah. close calls with these issues during the mid But and a lot of what Sean said about what helped turn him around was having his first kid, like his boy. Oh, that's good. And, and he said about the idea of like. When he first looks at what kind of man he wants to grow up to be, the first person he might look at is he's there. And then I like, and then like I said the idea of him turning out like me at that time scared the hell out of me. <laughs> so it said, I so he said like I looked at myself and like how I don't know. I said in the list of things <laughs> I wanted to improve myself when I really took a good look at myself was very long. So yeah. so he took me like meeting his wife and then having his kid to no, be the thing that turned him around. That's a really fantastic story, and yeah. you know. Like, I mean, I make a hell of a lot of comments of yeah. the negative in regards to, you know, religion and such. <laughs> and whilst I might have a very negative view myself, if, that, if that's what helps you, yeah, then more power to you. Because he briefly mentions about it, like, the combination of the religion and his wife, like, because, like, his wife was like, what he said, being in love with her was like one of the first times he loved something more than himself or wrestling. Yeah. So And then also the idea of going into religion, he said, like, I think what I needed at the time was to leave in something bigger than myself. Mm. So, in a way, that, it, that really helped. No, like I say, like, it's, it's never, it never has, never will be my, my mug of piss, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting way of phrasing it, but all right. But, you know, yeah. if, that, if that kind of thing helps a person, yeah, like, 
Now, if you're some Bible thumping fuck nugget that keeps pushing everybody's face, you're a cock bag and fuck you. But see if that personally fucking helps you. Mm-hmm. And it genuinely helps. And it, like, it seemed to help him and a lot of other wrestlers, like Guerrero and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's what i Yeah, yeah. If, if that kind of thing in the birth of your child helps you, then... I don't, I don't mind people having their, their faith or their religion. It's what they do with it that can really put me off a person. Exactly. It's what you do with your faith. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if you have faith and that kind of thing is good for you and helps you, then... Yeah, it's the same way if you don't believe in it then fine don't believe in it Aye. but don't overly push the fact that you don't believe Aye, in it up to other people don't beat other people with a noggin weight Aye. you know you know like I'm, I'm, I'm in that position like if you start bible thumping <laughs> me I'll fucking bitch slap the shit out of you with some satanism just for fun it's like, it's like, you, it's like Kevin Smith thought uh, about believing in, in, in God because he grew up in a because a lot of people are surprised when they, when they hear that considering I made dogma said but he said his wife has no time for religion, so he does it. So he doesn't. So she doesn't bother because they got a lot of hate from religious people because of dogma. But he said like, and he talks about it when he's curious. He goes like, see, I, I'm pretty quiet about it because I'm not one of those friends who comes up and he goes, hey, did I tell you about my friend Jesus? <laughs> he goes, you know, I do occasionally, like you know, I pray on a plane that the plane doesn't you know crash and I die. <laughs> no. But anyway, like I'm, I'm personally like. I mean, I, d- I don't ever, like, I've never been that kind of person to yeah. shit on someone's beliefs, you know what I mean? Like, if you believe shit, yeah. believe away, man. If it helps your life and helps you focus yourself, go with it, you know? Mm. But you start spouting that crap to me, I'll make you wish you'd never believed in anything. <laughs> I agree. And that, that is the honest truth to me. You start spouting that shit to me, I'll make you wish you were dead. <laughs> Because I don't play that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know I don't play that shit. I know shit. you don't play that shit. I have a very Eddie from Bottom philosophy on life. <laughs> and you know that philosophy. Yeah. You get born, you keep your head down, and then you die. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> well, if you're not lucky, what happens to you? You just carry on. You carry on and find Jeebus. <laughs> And then you're in a whole world of imaginary garbage. Anyway. See how I can go from nice and understanding to being an unsufferable prick? Yeah. That's a skill you have. It's one I, of your many skills, isn't it? I have lots of negative skill. <laughs> so do you have anything else to say before we go into this? You were talking about your, your day and your mum. and. Well, yeah, drunk. I had a lovely day with my mum. We had some beers. Nice new place. Uh, got my tapes. I've got my my both series of Boss as well, which is awesome. Yeah, is that on DVD? Is it? Yeah, yeah, on DVD. I've not watched any of it yet. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And now my mum is interested, so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the first season, and then I'm gonna loan it to her. Well, she's watching the first. I'll watch the second, and then I'll loan her the second, get my first season back, and then I'll watch it again. Well, she watches the second because even though I ain't watch it, I know it's going to be good because it's Kelsey. <laughs> and I have, I have the utmost faith in Kelsey Grammer. Mm-hmm. So much so, I, I recall an instant from college before I met you. Right. I was in the college course a year or so previous. And a girl I was on the course with, right? She knew of Kelsey Grammer through, um, you know, the Real Housewives thing that his ex yeah. was on. That uh, the one that was in Fraser dressed as Eve. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know her name. Brie but, yeah, or... I have no idea. Whatever her name was, right? But she had this um, assumed opinion of Kelsey, right? Because of what she'd heard of him on this programme. Uh-huh. Because the subject had come up because we were all going, like, if you had a fantasy dinner party, who would you bring? And I was like, right away, I was like, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer would be at my fantasy dinner party. But if you watched an episode of Freezer we recently reviewed, you wouldn't ask him to organise the bloody dinner party. Uh, no, 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 no. But I would have Kelsey Grammer because I find him an interesting chap, right? And she was like, oh, no, no, he's listening to that. And I was like, I was like, I went, no, hold the bus. Mm-hmm. I was like, do you have any idea of that man's family history and his life? Mm-hmm. And I proceeded to explain to this woman of Kelsey's history and life. Yeah. And then I gave her a look as if they say, don't throw shit at people when you don't know shit about people. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know the trauma that poor fucker's been through. Yeah. There's a reason he's the way he is. <laughs> Needless to say, after I'd made my point, she never said much after that. Oh, I can't imagine what, why. I, I browbeat her with some logic. <laughs> and then gave her a glare. As I say, aye, aye. I really got to say. No, I was like, aye, talking shit about my fucking idol, you shit, you. Do we get back to the resume before we go into uh, the next part of the European title thing? Smoke rings, yay. Uh, you, what was the last wrestling tape you, you kind of got? Well, the last wrestling tape I got, I think it was Super Hits 92 or something. Or I know, I remember, I, so. I remember that, we talked about that ages ago. So was that, that was Super Hits 92 or live in the UK, that one from the newspaper one? Yeah, the one I talked to you about, which uh, features a match between Xbox and, uh, and Shane. Not, one, not the one we were going to talk about, but a different one. Was that it before UK, that one or after that one? After that one, it was from the UK, No Mercy. Oh, ah, right, right, right. Nah, I've... I've kind of like, I've gone a little look warm on my wrestling collection at the moment because I'm, I'm still looking mm-hmm. for a good copy of Survivor Series 95, uh-huh. but at the minute I'm still looking for a copy that won't cost me an arm and a fucking leg, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get I mean, you've got ones like, like little series that you've got, like, they're still missing one or two, like, obviously, you don't have, like, every in your house or whatever, and you got ones here, but like... You are, I think you are at a point where you're almost, you're almost kind of running out of like ones to start looking up from your kind of period yeah, that you're interested yeah. in. But I do, I do, I'm quite proud of the fact that I have every single best of Raw tape. <laughs> I'm pretty stoked about that. And I'm pretty stoked with the fact that the very first best of Raw, Raw Volume 1, I got that for less than 20 quid. Someone is selling it on eBay now for 160 quid. You should look up on one of those best of raw tapes when you eventually get your player. See if any of the best of raws features that match that I mentioned in our new gen one, which is a rare TV, great TV match from that era, that Bret Hart 1 2 3 Kid WF title match. Well, do you know something? Maybe it's on YouTube, but it might be on your tape somewhere. Once we have finished said show today, yeah. you and myself, we will go and peruse my collection and we will find that out. <laughs> we must we must go discover Cover it, you know, think through like archaeologists through your wrestling ah, collection. That is something I got I did not mention beforehand. I got a new addition to my collection. What was that? Not a tape, not a poster, not a shirt. A CD. Oh, a CD. I got myself a new, brand new and pretty pristine copy of Anthology. Ooh. The triple disc. Ah, I think, did you not mention this 
in a previous episode that we did. No, I may have done, but I'm so happy about the fact that I have <laughs> anthology. Yeah, yeah, because it is a, is a is a great collection of like because there is not I I throw shade upon anyone who says they have not been a wrestling fan for X amount of years. Like the years we've been wrestling fans, yeah. right? And did not appreciate entrance music. Oh yeah, I mean you know. And I, I appreciate, I admit, I appreciate some of the cheesiest ones on the planet, like, you know, uh, Jesse James? <laughs> yeah. I love that, you See, know? There are two things. I, look, you know, when I play that song, mm. I sing along to that song, you know what I mean? Spend my days looking on, I love that song so much. Do, do you actually sing it going, nah, 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 or do you sing the actual fucking lyrics? No, look, like, I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. Love that song. There are two things. If somebody's been around my life, like you said, either longer or around at the same time as us, then that they say they say they don't appreciate as much as other people. I'll instantly look at and think you're clearly lying. Yeah, you must be lying somehow. I mean, all the and, and the two things are entrance musics and the Royal Rumble. Hell yes! I've not met one wrestling fan or heard of one wrestling fan that ever said that they didn't like the Royal Rumble matches. Like, like. We were at, I think it was 2020, before everything went to shit in the world, but... Uh, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in 2020, uh, we were all with my friend Stevens, you know, when we could still have those gatherings, before we couldn't for a while. But we were at Stevens, uh, we were all watching uh, Rubble, and uh, he mentioned that he ran with somebody a few days earlier who was talking about wrestling, and they said they weren't into, they didn't like the Royal Rumble. Well, then they're not wrestling fans. And then literally... The whole consensus of the entire room, who had different levels of wrestling fan in there, all all immediately turned to went, Bill, shit, you're, that's not true. Nobody doesn't like the Royal Rumble. No, like, that's not a wrestling fan. Like, Stephen, are you real? Are you being serious? Are you making this story? Literally, we were asking him like if this was a real person that he had met. Were you actually drunkenly sitting there going, get the fuck? <laughs> Does he like the Rumble? I wasn't drunk, but I was still telling him to get the fuck. <laughs> I get the fuck. This is like... You can't even know like Rumble. The Rumble's like a quintessential fucking... It's like WrestleMania. I remember watching that Rumble and during the men's match, I was talking with Jimmy, who, who just isn't on Rogue Pains as much anymore. Who won the 2021? Uh, Drew, remember? That was, the, that was the arena. Well, that was the... Aye, one where Brock came in, kept allowing people, and then Drew came in and knocked him out. Yeah. But anyway, and, and Edge came back as well. Ah, uh, yes! So I remember that. That was, that was like bonum material, that <laughs> shit. <laughs> No, just when you heard these yeah. music and everybody went, ah, much rejoicing, tis edge. Like I was texting Jimmy and like we were because like we'd done predictions thing. I, I was end- texting Jimmy. Well, we're messaging more <laughs> Facebook, but like he and Nathan done predictions for the Rumble, and I had done a thing with Carl from another show that weekend. We were the predictions, and I'd won that one. And so basically, it was like the two losers then had to get together and record a pre-agreed. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did that a couple of times when they did these wrestling weekenders. And so I was happy that I'd already been Carl, and by the time the men's rumble came around, it was already looking like that Jimmy had won his end, so it's going to be Nathan and Carl doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it ended up being they had to do, like, Ready to Rumble or whatever, they had to review that film. Oh, is that a Hogan movie? No, the, the David Arquette movie. Oh, Christ. But anyway, <laughs> anyway was, we were just Nathan mentioning back and forth, and he was on a couple of minutes delay for me, but when, when Drew eliminated... Uh, Brock, and that pretty much spelled out that Drew was either going to win the Rumble or at least be the one to challenge Brock because the winner would maybe go and fight you yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I just sent him like a barrage of like, they've got like the emojis of different flags. I just sent him a bunch of like Scotland flags. 
And then the fact that he was on by delay when we were wrestling back and forth, but when Edge fucking came back at that, because uh, I let's say I was sitting on one of those little chairs because there weren't enough seats on the couch, uh, so there was a couple of spare chairs. I sat on the chair in Stephen's living room. So uh, what was your reaction soon you heard that music? So I was gonna say like I had my I put a little can of strombo was underneath the chair, and I literally leant bent down as the buzzer was going off. And then you heard the and then I heard the music. Me. I sat, and then I popped my head back up and I'm looking around like. No, no, that's not real, is it? But like, and then, and then, he fucking, and then he fucking comes out and you see him come to the world and like he's nearly going to greet and everything. Uh, but I was the same. I was like, it's fucking Edge, man. <laughs> you know? But like, like you say, who doesn't love a rumble? I know. Like, I could name you like at least three of my top rumbles right, right off the top. 97. Loved it because I loved the end and it was really funny. <laughs> you know, O2 mm-hmm. loved that rumble because you know, Trips looked jacked as fuck, Goldust was in it and looked super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and ah, uh, what's my other one? I love 92. Uh-huh. I love 92 for the whole like the, the underlying uh-huh. thing in 92 because the whole thing like we say they, they dampened the. the the negative reaction to Hogan. Yeah. But on my tape, you can hear it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like, you know, subsequent releases, like re-releases from there. Or maybe it was a case of like, you just, you just couldn't hide it because the vitriol was that bad. But we couldn't hide it because at that point, people wanted to kick his baldy hole at WCW. <laughs> uh, I think with me, uh, 2001 is, is up there mm. for me. Not just because it came, but just in general, you know. Uh, it's gotta be Kane! It's gotta be Kane! I thought it had to be Kane, but then it wasn't that fucking awesome to come in and ruin it for everybody. <laughs> 2010, I think, is, un- is an underrated Royal Rumble, because 2010 has the first part where you got Punk sitting on his wee thing, doing his wee creepy straight-edge thing. Someone comes in, he eliminates them. Then the middle bit is like Sean being mm. desperately winning and eliminating vote. Then Edge comes back in that Rumble as well. And then you got the Sean elimination so good that people legit at the time thought there was a fuck-up when... Jesus pushes him and you see him desperately grabbing at the ropes as he's fallen. People legit thought Sean was meant to hang on and fucked up. So he was that good. That was Edge. One Edge 1210. Aye. Do you know one I, I haven't seen a lot but I wish I'd seen it more? Mm-hmm. One Seamus one. 2012. Oh, 2012 is shit. I just, like, I've shit. never seen it so I just... I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, it's just because Seamus one. I like Seamus, oh, you know? I, I wouldn't recommend the 2012 one or so 2013. Who was, the, who was the final four in 2012? You mind? Seamus, I know Seamus and Jericho were the final two. Can you tell you the final uh, four? Right. Do you know the thing I know about? The th- I like '96 too. That's a like honourable mention for me yeah. for two reasons. Well, three technically. Yeah. It's Sean's second one he wins in a row. There's a wee bit of oh between him and Marty during it. You know, and. It's the first rumble that Austin was in, and he fucked up and went out when he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, he was maybe in the final four. Aye. Uh, but he, he said there was some kind of like wet on the apron or something, and he slipped because it was uh, it was fighting for the kids' tattoo <laughs> that threw him out, and he fell out. <laughs> you know? Because Rikishi too was doing it for kids. He thought the kids wanted to see Austin get thrown out early. No, no, that was the Austin Scott. That <laughs> I, I, was the ringmaster. I know, I'm joking, I'm joking. But, no, that was a million dollar champion. <laughs> but, I mean, I'll put the throw an honorable... He loved that gimmick. I know you too, on the revisit, I appreciate a lot more 
I still, I still won't say it's the greatest Rumble match of all time, but I do appreciate it more second time around. Yeah. And also, I'll throw an all match in for it because I know the winner is someone nobody likes to talk about because of what he did, and he did a horrible thing. But I had that on, on DVD. 2004? Yeah, I had that on DVD as a kid, and I watched it a lot. At the 2004 Royal Rumble, other than that, when you forget the fact that the guy is basically sent around as an arsehole and a monster, let, he let, is, he, it's actually a very good Royal Rumble yeah, let's, let's fucking, uh, let's cross that horrid bridge right here, right? Nothing, nothing can be taken away from the, the horrible fallout from Benoit's career. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. But if we just look at him as a wrestler, phenomenal performer. He's like, he's like the first two, they, the first two, they go on for like much else. Number two gets thrown yeah. in the middle portion, and then Benoit goes on. It went up, but the first two in that rumble are Benoint from SmackDown and the Raw guys. Then they're calling our champion Randy Orton, mm. which is a fun matchup because when you think about it, Benoit goes on to win the title, and then who does he end up losing it to? Randy Orton mm. at SummerSlam, so that Randy can become the youngest world champion. Let, let's be honest, right? We're, it's very difficult for podcasts or YouTube's channels whatever whenever whenever his name comes up it's a very touchy subject for a lot of people yeah but i've been watching a lot of like on on youtube podcasts blah 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 and i think the best thing you can do no one can ever take away the horrible fallout from his career mm-hmm. let's just say it was that it was a horrible fallout from his career and the horrible things that he did but also no one can take away from the level of performance he gave in the ring. Yeah. And he gave a phenomenal... He was a phenomenal athlete. Mm-hmm. He just ended up being an awful person. And let's be honest, that was a lot to do with the, what what he done to himself in ring. Uh-huh. You know? And a, a very somber subject, and we're on a very som- somber subject now, but the guy was a legend in his profession. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know we could do whole shows where we could further go into not the, not the Benoit thing, but like rumbles and uh, and entrance music. I think we need to go from that summer thing into the European title. Theme oh yes, because we got to the halfway point. We got a couple of years into the you European. You know who title. the last European champion was? Yes, and we're me, because I said so. Because <laughs> you're an idiot. But anyway, hell no, I think because we could, I'm drinking wine. Could, a few people want to know why we're forty five minutes in and we haven't talked about the European titles because at the point where we left off. Is we're about to talk about a match that makes Paul sad. It does make me very sad. It does. It does make me sad. When last we left off, Jim McMahon had won the European Championship through a typical attitude era means. A you tag team I match. I know you didn't say it like you said it, but it sounded like you said Jane McMahon. Well, maybe you should clean your ears more. I'll just call him Jane. <laughs> Fuck you, Jane. <laughs> Poor Jane. Doesn't even exist in your... Being me, Jane O'Mac. Jane O'Mac. Anyway, yeah, so Shane wins the European title by teaming with Kane against Xbox and Triple H on an episode of Raw and in February. Shane wins the title. Shane then also wants to get an easy win. So, in an episode of Sunday Night Heat in February, who does he defend the title against? Gilbert. <laughs> Fucking Shane. Gilbert was a well better wrestler than you. Well, that's went, according to Cage Match, 20 seconds. He won a 20 second match. Because that's the shit he should be, shit how he should be doing, wasn't it? He knew back then he wasn't a wrestler. Gilbert was a wrestler. 
Um, that sounded petulant there. Oh, yes, yes, it did. Cool. And you want to know, you know how, how annoying Vince Russo can be as a booker? Just watch WrestleMania 15. But Russo's fingerprints are all over WrestleMania 15. Who you mean the boss man being hung with dog? Oh, wait, what What mania was that fucking dog cage match? It wasn't a dog cage match. That was, un, that was unforgiven later in the same year. I mean, oh, it came yeah. from hell. Oh, yeah, that fucking... That's the worst fucking match I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Look, I've never seen more disinterested fucking animals in my life. Yeah. They were like... I swear, I watched it once. That take. Mm-hmm. I've never watched it again. <laughs> just because of that one match. Just because I don't want to watch it because that match is part of it. Jesus. So then that takes us to WrestleMania 15. Mm-hmm. We, what some people actually call the one of the only good matches on the show, mainly because X Pac is involved in it, and X Pac was. What the f- fuck? <laughs> only good match on one it. One of the only good matches. Alright. Oh, WrestleMania right, 15 right. is not. Widely seen by many people as one of the better mainest people because of Vince Russo's incense booking where, like, oh, Billy Gunn, you've been fighting out, going after the IC title for weeks leading up to WrestleMania. Road Dog, you've been going after the hardcore. So what we'll do is right before Mania, have Road Dog win the hardcore, no, have Road Dog win the IC belt, and Billy Gunn win the hardcore title. Good swerve. And then we'll have Billy Gunn come out years later and said, I wasn't comfortable being hardcore champion because I wasn't used to that style of wrestling. Good on you, Russo. <laughs> Yeah. Funny. Oh, and because Rich Show is a man who never went through puberty, the tagline for WrestleMania 15, and I had a feeling he had, he had something to do with the tagline for WrestleMania 15, the Raging Climax. And, you know, the Raging Climax implies things were settled at WrestleMania that year. No, all these stories just continued on like it was a extended episode of Raw that you made people pay for. Did you know something? I will say one thing, and this is not in defence of Russell, this is just in defence of his stupidness. Mm-hmm. He came up with it. Yeah. Vince signed off on it. Yeah. Well, Vince McClure never went to be puberty either. But anyway, this match, it's, it's made bearable by the fact that, that X-Pac is involved in it because X-Pac was long thought of as that guy who, can you get a good match with X-Pac? Of course you could. Then you can get, then you can have a good match with anybody. So of course he's going to be in there help Shane through it. What the hell, man? Because isn't a wrestler. X-Pac, right? Shane... Looked reasonable in this match, right? Thanks to x Thanks to Sean Waltman. Uh-huh. Right? But going through the match. It was a good point. You spot in the crowd. The Mean Street Posse are there, right? Yeah. you got Pete Gas, Rodney. There's a couple of other randomers. Joey Abs doesn't come until later in the summer when Shane does his thing with Test over Stephanie. Because <sighs> he doesn't approve of that and all that. Yeah. But apparently, apparently that, like, Joey Abs came in. He didn't know. He was the only person in Mean Street Posse who didn't legit know Shane and really. He was, and plus he was the only one in the three members of Main Street Posse that prior to them being a group had any wrestling experience, so he was just a, an extra guy brought into the posse as in case he was an ex-boyfriend of Stephanie's or whatever. But these guys in the front row as the Main Street Posse are legit all pals with Shane and mm. They tried to paint Shane like, oh, back in ground, Shane was known as a bit of a wild guy. He was always getting into fights. So like the spoiled kid getting into fights, that was Shane McMahon's thing. Yeah. Trying to make himself he's bigging himself up to be tougher than he is. But he's no, he's just a he's just a flabby cunt of hockey shirt. And he's got he he's got like a mock version of like the X Pac T shirt on. Mm-hmm. He's got test in his corner. You know, the fucking the, everything was stacked against X Pac for the start of that match, you know what I mean? 
you go through it and you've got fucking like Shane getting a lot of offense. Whenever yeah. X Pac gets his fucking offense, you've got Test sticking his fucking nose in. You've got the fucking Posse sticking their nose in. And then, you know, we're going, and I know we're going to go more in, in depth yeah. into it, but fucking hell, man. <laughs> Trips came out <laughs> and China came out and I thought, yes, you know, everything's funky. And then that mumbled fucking big nosed bastard. <laughs> <laughs> fucking turns on him, mm-hmm. fucking, ah, mm-hmm. it really got my goat. <laughs> and the only thing I liked, I watched it on YouTube and they never played the full end of the match. Yeah. On the tape that I've got, you hear Raw Dog saying, don't worry about that big nose freak. <laughs> and I'm sitting there watching and going, I fucking big nose motherfucking freak, man, fucking bitch ass motherfucker turned on x back. fuck him. <laughs> But at the time, I was a lot more vocal. I was so I was I was soul destroyed because I was like, I was like, trips, man, say it so. You've turned on the you've turned on the fucking crew, man. Why, man? Well, it's like a year on from like when he taken over. I know he took over. He was the man. He was leading the fucking army, and then he turns on them, man. And I was like. I was, I was soul hurt, man. I was, I, I didn't know where to turn. I am wounded. I was. <laughs> I was so severely wounded. That my, I hurt my little soul. So, like, as you pointed out with the people getting involved, that's, and as it should be, that's the only times that Shane is on offense when it, after the assistance of someone... bloody honours. Like, bitch. the Stooges come out and try to jump X-Pac on the ramp and comedically, as the Stooges were known to do, fail miserably. Aye. Because X-Pac just like, I fuck you old and spin kick the they, old guys. They were just trying to help Mr. Mac, man. <laughs> Jane does, he does, as a curly heel tries to run away, but X-Pac chases after him. Uh, he does a thing where he's able to do a basic leapfrog over him. He's like, yeah, yeah I do. Turns around, X-Pac spin kicks him right in the face. <laughs> Tess gets, he's, gets involved a lot and then also there's a point where Xbox in the outside leans against the barricade and the Main Street Posse reach over and try to fucking batter him as well. Mm. Uh, she, Tess passes Shaney's belt to use behind the referee's back so he's whipping Xbox at points. Mm. So yeah, well, it's only whenever Xbox you know, has someone else getting involved on Shane's behalf does he, is he on the offensive is, is, is well, that made him look strong because whenever the odds were against him, yeah. he still fought like like he he did not have X Park heat at that time. He had X Park fan love at that time. People it's, loved it. It's weird to think how by the end of ninety nine, I think the X Park heat will start, and I think it was around like the, the association with Tory and turning on Kane and everything. Mm. At least it was for fucking me. X Park, yeah, prick, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you do the same hurt little soul like I did when fucking trips turned on him initially? Oh, you know, it just didn't hurt me as much. I just learned that, you know... It hurt you because he turned on your boy, didn't it? But then he stole his girlfriend and then a young Scott learned that love is a lie and you should never form attachments to anyone. Is that what it is? Everyone, everyone will, t- will inevitably turn on you and, le- and leave you into a shit feud. I wouldn't turn on you, man. I... I am the Garth your way, man. <laughs> yes, with me as always is Garth over here. I am the Garth to your way. I am Garth, man. Anyway. But, Thank you. But then, the Xbox fights back, like you said, like a valiant face who sends Tess into the steel steps. Because uh, Xbox goes for the cover and then Tess pulls him off the cover. 
and then before he can do anything, he turns around and sends him in the steel thistle. A big corner on the outside has been mm. taken out at that point, and like there's a point where where, X, where Shane tries to do the Bronco Buster, X, but just sticks his foot out, and then he does the, the actual like Bronco Buster this time. Uh, Tess hits uh, Xbox with a European belt, but he managed to value and get it. So everything around this, right, and you know, simple logic that Vince Russo doesn't have would suggest that all these things are happening in the Xbox to keep him down, but he's fighting back. So that would mean then logic that he's gonna come back and ultimately triumph over this villainous big man. Yes, but then uh, the referee uh, gets distracted by China who comes down and it looks like. Tess gets taken out of the apron. It looks like Shane's down. Xbox gets picked up by Triple H. Like, Triple H is here to help Finn, help fight for Xbox. Cause, help his friends. Because, uh, like, Shane left to join the corporation. Help his boy. He, only a year ago, he had brought into the fucking fold, man. Yeah, like, so Triple H beat Kane earlier on with Shane's help. So it looked like Shane is, oh, she's jumped shit from the corporation back to D-Generation X. But no. DX even before the match we gave a solid promo like the gang's back man yeah. we're good and I, I first time I seen that I was like fuck yes man DX man like and then it was, <laughs> I was like you but know then, but then Vince was like oh it's rest of me we can't just have a single swerve we need to have a double swerve it turns out no he's not she's not rejoined DX he's joined the corporation so he pedigrees uh, he pedigrees <laughs> Xbox Shane makes the cover, he pin Xbox. 8 minutes 41, if you're curious, that match lasted. I felt that pedigree when it happened. I felt it. And then, to make it even worse, this is what leads to the Kane-Xbox partnership, which loads you into a false insecurity. Then he broke all of our hearts. See, everyone's sad with the outcome of this fucking match. You're sad because it ended up hurting Kane. I'm sad because fucking Xbox got betrayed. Like... I know. If you want, so much betrayal. If you want to do this thing where you trick you like, oh, it looks like it's went one way, but no, actually, it turns out he's actually joined her with the evil guys, and Kane's been kicked to the corporation. Maybe don't do them on the same night. Yeah. Maybe do one, do one on on that. Then it was like, oh, DX is back together on Raw the following night. Then a big shock and angle close show. Oh no, Triple H is actually turned evil. Don't do them on the same night. You can't do that many swerves on the one show. There's so much betrayal. And it's, so do you know the thing they used to always say, like, wrestling was like a male soap opera? Pretty much, yeah. It so was. <laughs> because I sat there watching that Mania 15 and I was like, oh, my heart. <laughs> Ow. You know, I was so sad. Do you know what's ironic about this? I, I wanted to give X-Pac a hug. And we've talked about doing Triple H episodes, like, of a retrospective, and we will do. Hell yeah. And we'll talk about it more there. Can we t- can we talk about the Connecticut Bluebud? We can. Yeah. But uh, what's, I think, fairly ironic, though, is that Triple H did this to try and get to the next level. He joins the corporation, right? But he's somewhat, and then that joins to become the corporate ministry. But he seems to like, be the secondary, like, bad guy in that. Cause, like, you to got the Undertaker. To the Undertaker, the main champion. And then, when you think about it, the main are still there doing their stuff. Also, so really, he's the tertiary bad guy uh, who then starts feeding with the rock for... <laughs> He is thug. Yes. And it's only when they break up that then he's like, oh, he's meant to win the WF Championship at SummerSlam. He then announces, I am the fucking game and everything. Mm. Wins the title and doesn't look like the strongest champion for the first few months. So how do we make get Triple H to be the most dominant guy in the company? Let's have him reform a new heel version of DX. A more a more vicious version of yeah. DX initially. But like, but like ironically, if you just like kept DX together and decided, you know what guys, we should start acting more like bastards. Then he would have won the title earlier, and you would have you wouldn't have had to break yeah. up. Because what weirdly happened at that time, I was remember at the same time that China was a face, and she beat Jeter, won the IC title. 
They just never acknowledged her being formerly MDX, even though she was associated with Triple H for weeks before then. She said, no, Shayna's off the door and thinks she's, she's not going to be in DX this time around. Mm. I, I don't understand that, but okay. I think, I think sadly to say, I don't think we needed her at that point. No. You know, it was a full, it was a full bromance at that time with all of them. Because what was it, like, Trips, Park, and the Outlaws? Yeah, I mean, and plus you probably couldn't have done this Stephanie angle if, if China was there. True. Because I, I don't know, I doubt they would have acknowledged the real life relationship on screen, but... The real well, life I, th- I think by that point, I think about that point, I'm pretty sure China was pretty, ob- pretty clued in on the fact that he was cheating on her. Or I, I think there's that stuff to go into when we do the Triple H episode. But yeah. also, so she holds on to the belt, but then on an episode of of Heat that's taped on the thirtieth of March. You know that's a rare tape I have in my collection. What? Uh, Triple H and China, it's time video. Ah, yeah, I think you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, I have. That's a rare one with the two like a montage of them as a couple doing their <laughs> thing and training and whatnot. Yeah. No, it's it's a rare tape, very rare tape. It's right next to one of my DX shirts. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyway. Hell yeah. yeah. I had three of them, you know. Can we move on? Yes, we can. Anyway, but then Jane on the 30th of March on an episode of Heat, which is taped then and aired at the 4th, basically claims, and in the title history lists this as briefly deactivated, saying that, he said like, oh, I'm, I'm, this, I'm carrying this belt around, but it's, it's becoming vacant now because... I'm going to go out on top. I beat my one at WrestleMania. I'm retiring as champion. That was that was his old stick. Shane, back then, was a bitch. He was. That's what he was meant to be, though. Shane, back then, I could have beat him up. And that was the thing you were meant to think. Like, why was he? How was he winning? I I could beat him. Yeah. That was a, that was a style of that heel was, at the time. That was the stick. Like, come on, I could kick his ass. A lot of people thought that we did try to present angle that way in a way where people. <laughs> I know, but there were people who watched it at the time thinking, I could beat him, like, I fucking try and take him down, what they called medalist for Angle. Go on, try and beat him, go on, let's see, I'll I'll get popcorn to watch. (laughs) Anyway, but then, he, 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 despite the fact he says, oh, it's deactivated, he still defends it at the the UK No Mercy in May against X-Pop, which again, there was more. Deactivated. Then, but then again, China gets involved once again to cross Xbox. So Xbox, I don't think ever properly got his uh, his win back over over Shane McMahon. Was that Russell's fault? I had got God knows. I think they just wanted to make this thing with him and. Uh, Sorry. I think they wanted to make this thing with him and Kane, like the tag team, like more of a thing, and they went on to win tag gold and everything. How, lo- how long did they hold that tag gold? I think they were just very brief, couple of brief reigns. Who did they? Well, who did they ultimately lose to? Dudley's. I think they, they. I think they. No, I think they won them from, like the Kate from like Dilo and no, they're not Dilo. Uh, Jarrett and Owen mm. then lost them. Like, Accolades briefly won them, and then Kane and Xbox won them back from the Accolades, and then they lost them to the unholy alliance of Undertaker and Big Show at SummerSlam. What a team! I know. Was that? Was that? Pouchy Undertaker. Undertaker was getting a bit pouchy, so he started surrounding himself with Big Show and then later Midian and Viscera. less fat. Aye, everything. There were many matches where he was dealing with injuries, so he basically did matches where, like, there might be a tag team, but he basically said, oh, I'm trying to get Big Show to prove himself, so Big Show, you go wrestle, I'm going to sit here commentary. Was, was that that time period when he had the look of goatee with no tash yeah. and mm, <laughs> bit fat? A little bit. 
wee bit, wee bit pudgy, wee bit, your tash looks gay. <laughs> and then he did that long pro big riding bikes into the desert, which was very boring. Yeah. Anyway. Not a lot of his late 90s shit was kind of boring. But like... That's, that's why he came back on a motorcycle. So like, you can tell by this point already, like it's been around two years this belt, and already a lot of prestige has fallen from this title. Yeah, the only, the only two reputable champions it ever had were the Bulldog and Sean. Even Sean didn't seem to give a fuck about it. Yeah, well, that was it. That was the high water point of Sean being an asshole, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much so. And so, uh, Shane McMahon doesn't have a bit. Doesn't really know that he's European champion for a little bit. And then in June on Sunday Night Heat, uh, Midian finds the bag on in Shane's belt. The twenty first of June, sorry, he he finds the European title in Shane's bag, and Shane basically says, "All right, you can have it." And so the title's reinstated. Midian is now the champion. Uh, and Midian, I won't be surprised, you know, was a shit European champion. Did he lose it as soon as he defended it? Well, I would say as soon as he defended it, but uh, I can only find one successful defence, which is by DQ, on a Sunday night heat, over Al Snow. To, and then he very soon lost it to D'Lo Brown. Uh, on, Thank Christ. Yeah, I mean, you can call D'Lo an Xbox a reputable champion. They were doing their best with what they what they had. What they had, because you know, I thought we talked about in part one how it was they mm. two kind of swapping the belt back and forth in mm. late ninety eight. Like nobody really talks about that a lot even nowadays. But D'Lo would, if we'd have went with D'Lo more so, uh-huh. he could have really gave a lot of prestige to that title. Yeah, so D'Lo then won won it a three times, so he was like the most I think by that point for the title. Like the most reigns. Yeah, his most reigns. He was the three times champion. Winning it from Midian, and there was much rejoicing after that. Yeah, because yeah. at that point we were looking at the real deal then. Oh yes, <laughs> and then he quickly added. One? added then he yeah. quickly added more gold, because uh, just a few days later, like that when he became the Euro Continental champion. Yes, because like, it was twenty fifth of twenty uh, fifth of July. The match with uh, fully loaded ninety nine with Midian happened, where he won the title. I have fully loaded ninety nine. And then on a couple of days later on a Raw, which I assume was taped, and then there the following week, he had a match, a winner-take-all match against the Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett, where he would then win the Intercontinental Champion and become Eurocontinental. Eurocontinental deal. Yes. People, a lot of people have a certain era thing, like, oh, Eurocontinental Champion. Oh, you mean like when Kurt Angle won the two? I was like, yes, but there were two other Eurocontinental Champions before him that Kurt likes to, likes to not acknowledge that because he was a heel. I like to think of when Chris Jericho was an intercontinental champion. <laughs> well, you do that. Do you remember when he was the intercontinental champion? Yes. I do. Uh, but unfortunately for D'Lo, the, the reign as Eurocontinental champion wouldn't last because he would lose both belts in, a, in the opening match of SummerSlam 1999 to Jeff, back to Jeff Jarrett. Oh, was that when Mark Henry turned on him? Uh, with Jeff, when Mark Henry hit him with Jeff Jarrett's guitar. And what was Mark Henry's motivation? D'Lo wanted me to lose weight. Legit, there was a storyline where Mark Henry goes to his I doc- remember that. I remember the whole storyline. I remember watching the videotape when D'Lo was trying to be a good guy and help him eat right and exercise. And because D'Lo had the cheek to try and treat him like a good friend, he turned... Was that Russell's idea? I don't know. Russell was on his way out by this point, I think. He, if he that got was Russell's idea, Russell, you're a cunt biscuit. Well, we know Vince McMahon doesn't like friendship, as it's clear with the amount of breakups he's booked over the years. Mm. Oh. <laughs> well, no, I'm not going to say that. Well. 
something that we, Vince would probably sue us if I said that. <laughs> okay, then I'm going to... Yeah. And we don't have any money. No, no, we do not. So, Vince, you dirty old bastard. <laughs> and he said it. He said it. And so... Like, that, I've given the context for people who did, who haven't seen you know, it or didn't, don't remember it, but yeah, I think it was a kind of a WWE way of shaming Mark Henry's storyline into re- losing weight in real life. Basically, been like, he goes to a doctor and like, Mark, you're, like, you're, you're very dangerously you know, overweight and everything, you need to lose weight. And so... Oh, fatty. Uh, he put it down the fucking fork. So, D-Lo tried to help him. He put him on an exercise plan. They were doing, like, montages and vignettes and trying to help Mark yeah, out. Yeah, I've just, seen those. They gave him, like, okay, I made you some lunch. You gave him just a just one baked potato. And, like, I can't give him no, no butter, no sauce with this. Like, no, oh, man, you got to be healthy. And I then, want a baked potato. <laughs> I did not expect that response, but all right. I like baked potatoes. They're well, good. Well, good for you. Don't you like baked potatoes? Not really, no. Really? No. What the fuck is wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Ah! I like it, a baked potato. Anyway, we talked about, like, it seems for the second time in the year 99, in only just three or four months, uh, you had the Europeans you know, just been swapped around like an afterthought because the next night, in order to thank Mark Henry, Jichao just went, and I am gifting you the European Championship. So he just gave him the belt. Yeah, make the belt look even more fucking pathetic, not anything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it still had the green strap at this point, but it's just slowly transitioning back to the black strap. Take it, it doesn't even matter, I'll take it. (laughs) This is Mark Henry's first championship and he would he would only he would only hold the belt for a month, right? But he would not win another title until two thousand and eight with Mark Henry when he became ECW champion. When was it he won the big belt? Uh in twenty eleven. 11, how long how long did he hold the big belt? What the the world belt, so from like September to December. September to December, that sounds yeah. like a WCW pay per view. <laughs> it really does. It sounds like WCW quality in a lot of stages. September to December. Oh, I wouldn't want a three month or four month fucking pay per view. And, and Hulk Hogan's fucking leading the pay per view. Yeah. And Vince Russo's writing it. Huzzah! September to December. <laughs> See, I remember some quite a bit of this uh, European title stuff from like here onwards because this is when the time of the period of SmackDown starting, and I just I just had a very childish thought of the September to December thing if it was WCW and it was a Scottish guy narrating it. <laughs> the tagline September to December. Come ahead, <laughs> bring it. Come, come and fucking get some. We carry on playing with this. September to December. Come in to me, ya boss. But I remember quite a bit of this period because I this is when I started doing SmackDown because SmackDown was starting this time and I've been doing the Rogue Retro SmackDown review for the last couple of years. Yeah. And so Mark Henry did actually was a, an active somewhat champion for a little bit before an losing active. the belt. An active. Oh, an active, right. So he would defend the, the tail. So he's handed the belt basically by... By Jeff Jarrett. He defends it against likes of Steve Blackman and uh, X-Pac randomly. X-Pac beaten by Count Out one week. At least he defended it against reputable opposition. Yeah. And then he loses it unforgiven to D'Lo Brown. So I guess like they basically were like... Yeah, like culmination of the story. Yeah, culmination of the story. But also I think it was a case of they maybe didn't trust Henry at this point. Again, with his weight issues. 
we uh, saw as an issue. Oh, well, it was quite heavy at that yeah. point, so. And he was still doing quite a bit of the sexual chocolate thing where... Was this before or after his, his you know, his, his baby hand? No, this is before then. He's still doing the whole sexual chocolate thing, and you know what he does after the story, like when he loses to Dilo, he says sorry, Dilo, because, like, he quickly turned on people just so he could get with more women. Like, he was briefly associated with the Godfather and then turned on him to get the hose and everything. But before he turned on the Godfather, he was doing a whole thing where he was basically like, I know that, Dilo, I want to admit here, something I should admit a long time ago, I'm a sex addict, I need to go get help. <laughs> and I jokingly said when we reviewed it at the time, he does that big promo, this emotional promo talking about his addiction and how it's ruined his life. And then his music play, which is still a sexual chocolate music, like, first thing, Mark, change your theme song. Because you don't want to give this heartfelt you know, speech a greeting and everything, and then hear the first word here, it's sexual, baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> So then he goes to the thing of going through multiple different therapists. All most of them women because he keeps flirting with them. And then the one where, he's, where there's a guy and the guy flirts with him. And then there's one where he's talking. <laughs> and then there was like a big cuddly teddy bear you. And there was one where the guy where he's talking to somebody and he's really like explaining these issues. And then the cat pan, pans up and it's the Godfather. And basically it's like, oh man, there's nothing wrong with you. You've got a healthy appetite for a big man. And basically. <laughs> Basically, Godfather used him because basically, like he is a man who wants his soul. I have a light of hose. This is this is a basically a, 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 t- a guy I can basically take advantage you, of for a lot of money. You want your hole? I've got a hole on top. <laughs> Let's talk. I'm a businessman. You know you can make pimping a little bit easy by paying me, and I will let you do what you want to the hose. I suspect. Well, that's how you, that's how it happens. Isn't I it? know, but it's, it, that era was very suspect. <laughs> I like the Godfather though. But no, it was no. I didn't like. I, I liked his call to arms to the fans. Yes, you know, roll up a ferry, <laughs> you know, smoke that blunt. <laughs> I, I like the Godfather. Anyway, no, I didn't like though. Why is funny? The the video package they do a video package for Dilo versus Mark Henry Unforgiven, and it's 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 laughably bad. Because I, was, I remember reviewing it on the Rips Madden review it, and like they almost the guys on the podcast almost get on like, guys we need to go back to this because it opens with Michael Cole recent Saturday Michael Cole explaining the Webster dictionary definition of friendship <sighs> over a montage of moments between Dilo and, and Mark Henry. Michael Cole was such a gun. He's still a bit of a gun. He's not as much of a gun, but he was quite a gun. I liked him when he was, you know, childish fodder for DX. Mm. I liked him better then. So, Dilo Burry actually has a strong, like, uh, another strong run. Now he's a four-time champion, an unheard of thing at the time. Only one other person will tie him for four-time, like, but this will be his final reign. As... Was it Val? No. Oh. It, like, one other person will talk about him later on, but it, it was unheard of. Like, this would be his final reign as European champion. And so, he would defend it against the likes of Steve Blackman. No. Good cunt. Uh, he lost by DQ randomly to the big show in a European title defence. Fat cunt. Uh, he had a couple of matches on Heat against like, Prince Albert and Jericho. Good cunts. Uh, and also we must unfortunately talk about how around this time is the time of the Darren Drozdorf incident. Mm. And they were, I remember even watching on SmackDown, they teased in uh, the start of the feud because like, he has a match with, with Albert then gets attacked by Drozdorf. They're watching him on it on one of his matches. Like I think that match actually ends by DQ because they attack Big Show first because mm-hmm. it's because like Albert wants to do a thing with Big Show because like 
the idea of like why it be he's the next big man in the WF or yeah, whatever. But it was. like ultimately they were building a feud between Dilo and Draws and Draws has got for the European. I think at the SmackDown taping, like uh, it was a European title match. I mean, nobody's ever really talked about like because of what happened. The schematics of the match of like who was meant to go over or anything. So was it a European title match that Draws was ultimately injured in? Yes, it was a match for the European Was Ro- Was Ross supposed to win that match? I was going to say, nobody's ever actually talked about if Ross may win. I think at some point, if not that <coughs> match, at some point, Ross might have won the title. That would have been cool. It would have been nice for me to win, you know, something, or get a championship at yeah, that like, point. Like, give him something. Then, of course, that four times, and then, obviously, D'Lo's confidence, like, you can I, you can sometimes see it in his face in the weeks following it when I was watching it for the review. Yeah, and, like, well, see, he, said, he said, like, um... He'd actually like considered quitting mm-hmm. because he felt so horrible about what happened to Draws. And when he did come back, he did actually change his style up quite a bit because he felt so responsible for what happened to Draws. Well, like it was a movie. I think they'd wrestled each other like, on live events. You know, the start when you start a program, you start wrestling that same day and they based someone. I think it was a case of like you couldn't probably get a hold of like, he like it was a mixture of Draws said he Draws had almost shirt. Like Draws couldn't properly. Like get the the height or something he needed, and like Dilo couldn't get. It was a different shirt that Draws was wearing than he usually did, so he couldn't get a hold of the, mm. the shirt. But the, the one thing, I and mean, if you want to take one conclusion, is that apparently Draws had like landed a few inches in a different direction. You know, he may have possibly right. died. Oh, he may have died. He, he could have been a few inches away from from death. Oh well, I'm I'm glad he didn't die. Yeah, but like. I know even like, if I had, even while he's been put on the stretcher, the only footage of which you can see in the uh, SmackDown, you know, don't yeah, try to yeah, hold the... that's the footage where you see all the refs and officials crowding a person on a stretcher. That's draws, right? right? And even and the very important line in that is the career's ended in an instant, and it's a career did, did end in an instant. From what I did hear, well, apparently, like at that point, <laughs> Dilo was like in tears, yeah, and he was so distraught he'd, he'd caused that injury. Even, draws and draws were on the stretcher and going. Don't feel bad, man. It happens. Even like, years later, doing interviews after about it, he still breaks down the the deal. But you can, I, I remember watching like the setup for the feud in the weeks leading up to it, and I was watching and like, oh, because I knew that we were never going to see the match. But I remember talking about it on the podcast, thinking, oh, I, I, it makes me feel uneasy when I see the segments that that see in this feud because I know What's where it's going to lead to. And then I watched. I didn't know what episode it was going to happen on, and then I could tell what episode it was because. On the episode, there's a random match. It looks like it was basically taken from from the Heat matches taped because there was the orangey light around it. Yeah. The the commentary was obviously dubbed over because there's a different commentary team on Heat. So Daryl and Cole have both dubbed over it. Mm. And also the Heat banners are still around the ringside. So it's a random match between Big Show and uh, Bossman. And clearly that's been inserted in where the draws deal match may have been. To kind of make up for time, right? And and the reason I can tell because the newly obviously sounding dubbed music, uh, dubbed voiceover, then this inserts. Oh, we went to send our best wishes to Darren Drozdov, which seemed it was the first mention of Darren Drozdov's accent at that point. Mm. So I'm assuming this must be the tape in the week that it happened, because it well, just it makes me sad on a number of levels in that regard, you know, because it ma- it makes me sad for how it affected Demo. Mm-hmm. It all obviously makes me sad for how it how it you know affected draws uh-huh. obviously, but like I've I've done like I'm kind of like a a bit of a wrestling anorak in that regard. I like to read up on people, yeah. you know, 
And the one thing that makes me incredibly happy is that one thing draws from interviews I've read is that he bears Dio absolutely no ill will yeah. because he always says, look, that kind of shit, that happens in ring, it can happen. Shit that it happened to me, but it happened, you know? And when he was being led out on a stretcher, Dio was freaking out and crying and he said to Dio, like, behave yourself, it happens, yeah. you know? And, you know, he's, he's actually, like, a lot better than he was. Like, he has control of his upper body now. I think initially he was diagnosed as quadriplegia, but later regained. I don't know. Yeah, he was he was dead from the neck down. I, I don't know how how soon after I, being in the hospital they started to regain. No, it took him a while. Yeah. It took him a while, but now, and I've seen picture of him, and I always tell you, like, when we're not doing yeah. a show, like, he has one of the coolest fucking, like, wheelchair setups in the fucking planet. He has this all-terrain wheelchair thing with a fucking gun sight on it and shit, you know what I mean? Like, he likes to go trap shooting and shit, and he has, like, a, a wheelchair with something he can rest the gun on, and he likes to smoke weed, you know, and he just... He, he's a guy that's made the best of the situation he's got, you know what I mean? And he seems a happy dude, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, yeah, I'm fucking, I can't even walk, but, you know, he's like, oh, fuck it, I'm good, man, yeah. you know? And... I like I like the positivity, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I fair enough, I can't even walk, but I, I've regained my yeah, I've regained my good shit, you know. And I I could easily have seen draws if he if he hadn't had that unfortunate incident. I could easily have seen draws being a European or maybe yeah. a like maybe even an IC champ, considering how they fucking considering the IC title in that era. It was funny, like when it did thing that that uh, Beyond the Mat came out, which he was featured in because they filmed that across a couple he's of years. Got a puke. And he's showed, got a puke. Uh, uh, he showed like draws being brought in and being all happy to be there and signing his contract. He phoned his mommy. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's like, "Mom, he gave me a job." And then, like by the time it was all put together, the the incident happened because it came out late '99, and then Barry Bloom went back and then recorded a thing like, "We're dedicating this to Darren Drozdov after mm-hmm. his unfortunate accident." So, but then Dilo. Uh, some don't about people not being in the best shape or being in the best way. The British Bulldog returned to the WWF. Oh God. Oh, you mean the football fuck? Oh, yeah, and he's denim big jeans. He's big denims and he's fucking like para boots like, and that. like a guy trying to get in a, a pub on a day of an England match, trying to start a fight with everybody after a few times. He did days. look like an England thug, didn't he? No. He came out and he kind of sweaty looking. Ke- he looks like that kind of guy that was just naturally built for being a cunt. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know? No, he wouldn't be coming out with the Union Jack, you know, that kind of build, he'd be coming out with the fucking St. George's Cross on his back, and it'd have a different connotation when he came out. Yeah, you know, he looked like a mad football hooligan, so, and he acted like one day, so, he and he was like... When Bulldog comes back, he randomly beats up, beats up the boss man, pins him for the hardcore title, then just gives it to Al Snow, then joins the British Undertaker and the... Uh, it's like he, he, he replaces the Undertaker in the six foot challenge at uh, Unforgiven, screws the rock out to help Triple H because Triple H said he gave him a tail shot, then Triple H just goes, I lied to your ass. <laughs> and then when he got his tail shot, the rock came out as the referee going, One, two, it doesn't matter if the rock counts the three. And then he was the recipient of one of the greatest rock bottles ever when Rock is in his dressing, he does that slide and then yeah. drops the elbow. And then. Michael called his best attempt to try and sound like JR, but he couldn't make it work. When Rock slammed uh, 
Slammed the bulldog into a pile of dog shit. The dog poo! The dog poo! The rock bottom in the dog poo! And then they did that on the Raw before a match with the Raw get no mercy. And you're thinking, hmm, who's going to win this match? One of the most charismatic guys in the company or the guy who just got dumped into dog shit? The football hooligan in the dog shit of the rock. Hmm. And no surprise, it went about five minutes and the rock won. What you mean? The, the muscular football thug with all the Paula Gil- Gilbert didn't win. And then, oh, so I mentioned a rebellion uh, that year. He threw a bin in anger at Vince McMahon and it hit Stephanie, who briefly had amnesia. I see. remember too. Which is one of like the last remnants of a Russell storyline, which they then quickly gave a couple of years and went, oh, yeah, by the way, she's remembered now. He's like, fuck that story. And so Test went into a mini-feud on TV with the Bulldog and failed miserably to get revenge against them. Did the Bulldog kick his ass? Which culminated in a steel cage match with the Bulldog won on Raw with help from the Mean Street Posse, who were randomly his henchmen. Yeah, so I remember that. Mainly because he thought, like, oh, I'm fucked. And not in the 92 way I'm fucked. Like, he's properly fucked. Right, my back's gonna do modded up on pills. So basically they were there, he'd take bunts for him. So then the same week on the Raw... Uh, in October, I believe it was, he... Oh, I've got it here in mind. <laughs> <laughs> On the Raw, I believe it was, uh, Bulldog in, Feb- in October 1999, and then on the 28th of October episode of SmackDown that same week, he defeats Dale Brown with help from the posse to become a European champion. So he's now become a two-time champion, but has any one person, as I may briefly alluded to in our... Uh, our first part. Has any one person had two different reigns with the same title of a vastly different quality? Because you think, mm. inaugural champion, bulldog, the part of the Heart Foundation, defender. Very and, healthy, and very put together, very Headlining very shows in the UK, and international, fighting people like Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart. And now it's just, he can't get through a match with people like Dealer Brown without the posse getting involved to help him. And then, then there was a match at Survivor Series that was, I'm throwing it out to him with Mark Henry. Steve Blackman, Val Venus, and Gangrel against the Posse and Bulldog. And Bulldog's team got battled, and Posse got immediately put out, like each individual, and then he got basically ganged off on. And then the next day on Raw, the new champion, new WF champion, the Big Show, defended the WF title against European champion, uh, the Bulldog, right? So Big Show was the first, Big first challenger for the world title, is, is the Bulldog, who is the European champion. Mm hmm. I'll just give you the match because I've watched it for the SmackDown review. Should I should I watch less and feel sad when I do? It won't take you that long. You'd have a piss longer than this. Like literally, big show, boof, wall up, couple of shots, big choke slam. One, two, three. Beats up, beats the little log in like a minute. Do you know I I've got to say right, and I I hate to get serious at this point, but and you know I'll fucking I'll say it and I'm. I'm probably not the first person to have said this, but see if the fucking WWF had handled him better at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he could have been better. Maybe he could have been better. I don't know if the WWE or WWF, as it was at the time, were properly equipped to deal with someone who had as many issues as Davey had. Because Davey had a lot of... Yeah, a lot of problems. He had a lot of personalities like we suddenly be like it was a sometimes sometimes he'd be on it, then he'd be off it, he'd get clean, then he'd go back and he'd relapse it. Let's be honest, the one who's to blame is the fucking WCW with that fucking trapdoor. Like yeah, oh they didn't tell him about the fucking trapdoor, but like because of the cause of the thing with Warrior right because of war games later on that night. Mm. No, no, it was simple. Hey, don't maybe don't tell him about the trapdoor. What you should do? 
you know, it's three doors in one ring. It's a two ring setup for war games. It's gonna be out there for the whole show. Move the match until the other fucking ring. Yes. Don't fucking have a potential injury to one of your main guys. The most unnecessary injury, so avoidable. That Which you, basically that injury basically fucking killed the man. That injury basically put him back on put him back on a dependency on the painkiller. He was in a bad way, he soon left WCW and basically I think it was like Stu in the hearts and that basically as a favourite then they put like Stu in particular basically said to him like, Come on, like Davy needs a job, come on. Help him. I help him here. But also he clearly wasn't in the best of shape, so he couldn't fit the schedule of the WF the as he used to. If they were offering to help him, mm-hmm. they should have helped him. You know, they should have actually helped him. So the Bulldog wrestles matches that don't go longer than two, maybe three minutes for most of his European territory. You know, defends it against like so the Edge and Christian get individual title shots against the uh, the Bulldog. I remember Jerry Lawler on episode Matt oh. dude, he, His one sole reasoning for Edge is the Canadian not challenging for the European title is he claims Edge isn't smart enough to know where Europe is. Oh. <laughs> uh, defends it against the Godfather, uh, and then he gets he has a couple of matches that end by DQ against likes of D'Lo and uh, Val Venus because they were both wanting title shots, which then culminates in a triple threat match, uh, Armageddon, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, that match is bad. <laughs> like it's not you assume that okay they'll take D- Bulldog out at one point and you have D'Lo and and uh, Val together, but no, like they seem insistent on like Bulldog keeps seem able insistent on getting involved in it. And even then, somehow the portions between Val and Dilo aren't even as good as you'd want them to be. Mm. So it's just a... It's com- a shame, because at that point, at least Val and Dilo could go, you know? Yeah. Uh, it went about nine, min- nine minutes, 15 that match on Armour again. It's like somewhere in the middle of the card. It's kind of messy in part in a lot of parts. It's an alright finish when you got Dilo hits these, uh, the, the low-down splash on a bullet, but then on doing some Val dies off as well with the money shots like basically rolled below off, pins the Bulldog, Valvinus becomes the European mm-hmm. champion. Uh, Bulldog does stick around, obviously, for a little bit. Yeah, I believe by Bulldog's last involvement with the WWF was his little backstage promo with Eddie, wasn't it? About the, the, having the respect for the title. Like, yeah. you don't have proper respect for the European title, blah, blah, blah. Like, one of more high performance like one we watched on like, the Insurrection Watch on where he comes out, but beats up Crash Holly. For the the title, the mm-hmm. record. Then he has a match with Harker Holly on the next Raw where he loses it because Crash comes in and pins him while he's down. But like fucking Harker Holly doesn't give a fuck about his bad back. He's just throwing shit at him, yeah. fucking hitting with unprotected shots. Like isn't, isn't Harker Holly a cunt? Oh yeah, he's definitely a cunt. Harker Holly don't give a fuck about very self absorbed prick. Yep. So I think by June, I think the the portion I'm currently on in June two thousand of uh, of SmackDown, I think. Uh, Bulldog pretty much it's pretty much been acknowledged that Bulldog is done with the company now. No, like I, I don't, I don't really like talking about the, the latter half of the Bulldog's career because I think a lot of people are responsible for that. Uh huh. You know, I mean, he's responsible because you know he had his demons, blah blah blah. But you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of elements to yeah. why he became like that again. Uh-huh. You know, and a lot of people have a. Have a lot to answer for in my my opinion, you know. Uh-huh. It's very very fucked up, very sad, and you know a lot a lot of people nowadays don't talk a lot about the bulldog, but I had a real appreciation for that man. I really did because in the early day, like in the golden era and the new gen, and 
even into the early stages of Latitude era. Uh-huh. Lat was a guy who I always appreciated because he was so physically strong but so physically agile. He's, he's, I really appreciated the Bulldog. He's somebody we've talked about a lot of. Yeah. A lot more of those well, years because of it. Show you, like, I mean, the amount we speak about him yeah. just shows how highly we regard the man. Well, yeah, because he keeps popping up and stuff that we watch, like the, the time periods that we keep reviewing and everything. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I, like I say, I was on YouTube all day watching a review on the wrestling bios, like Flowers yeah. ninety seven, and we talk about like Davy's performance, yeah. like in that four on four. And we talk about just how good. I recommend if you wanted to see like Bulldog more stuff on wrestling bios, like he does a thing on like Bull TV's run in like '93 and WCW or like the build Island Death on the Bulldog Brett match and everything. Uh, he also did a running thing making a wee joke about TV because TV at one point when he was the Island insistence on doing a lot of chin locks in matches. So when it got to <laughs> yeah, the, the, TV the, boys, the chin lock countdown, I the. We got to number. We got to about three or more. It just came a big gravity explosion. Davy boys with chin lock, <laughs> and then when he went a few weeks without doing chin lock, he was kind of like, "Has David finally kicked his addiction of chin lock?" Yeah, and yeah, and was like, it, yeah. like, oh no, our boy Davy's just gone and relapsed. He's done a chin lock. Put it this way: when Davy was at his peak, would you have wanted to be the chin lock? What fuck no, no. his arms? When see, like when Cena did a chin lock, even though Cena was a big bitch and yeah. all. I don't mean that negatory, he was a big fucker, right? It still looked pussy when he done it. When Davey put a chin lock on, he looked like he was legit, but he knocked the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like, when Davey put a chin lock on, you look, it looked like the guy was in some trouble. <laughs> yeah. So then Val, Jesus, you want to talk about forgettable European champions. Val, Venus oh, is right. Uh, Hello, ladies. Defended against uh, Gangrel on WAF Jacked. Remember that show? Was that was that higher up the card and lower down the card than WWF Metal? I think they're about the same level. They're both lower than Heat, which is you can't get much lower than that by two thousand. What about velocity? A velocity wasn't even a thing then. Oh, was it not? No, no, that's a, that's a two thousand and two introduction. That one. Oh, was that a two thousand and two? These cunts can't get on the main roster show. Well, I think it was because by the time the brand split happened, I think Heat then became an exclusive Raw show. Was velocity around about the time of Beaver cleavage? No, no, that was long after then. Like so, so basically, uh, Baron Split period basically like we both need our own C show for suit guys. You can't get on. So basically, SmackDown got Velocity, Raw got Heat. That was the that was the way of it. But then on Heat, Val defends the tail against like the D'Lo and uh, D'Lo and the Black. And Steve Black can get a lot of random title shots for the European title, never winning it himself. I know. I don't. Uh, defend- Why didn't Blackman ever fucking win anything, man? Defended against Edge on an episode of Raw, but they spent more time talking about the fact that Edge was engaged to Val's sister, which was a real life thing, and he would be stay with Val's sister Edge would until the the public affair with Leah came to light. So yeah, yeah so Edge went out was I think married to Val's sister. Then obviously when she when Leah was cheating on Matt, he was also cheating on Val's sister. So. Edge's marriage broke up because of the later thing. I was about to talk about Val's sister, but no, nah, I was thinking of Mary Lou fucking, you know, Ken Shamrock's Ken sister. Shamrock's sister, yeah. What was her? Ryan. Ryan Shamrock, and she was associated with artist formerly known as Goldust in the Blue Meaning. There was a... So then he defends it in more and heat against Boss Man, and then again on Jacked against Joy Habs. And then finally his, his ring comes to a merciful end, and like... When I reviewed this on the SmackDown review, I thought, Jesus, I forgot, you were the champion, Val. Until uh, <laughs> he finally loses it. <laughs> on the 10th of February, episode of SmackDown, 
to your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, who started, who was winning his first title, and he would celebrate it like he'd won another gold medal, like he'd celebrate everybody, like, <laughs> yeah, I've done it. And then he would go on about uh, being the champion of did Europe. Did he still have ten? Did he still have hairling? Yes, he did. He was going about now being the champion of Europe and talking about how you know how things have improved in Europe since I've been your your European champion. We should, we should release a fucking DVD of you know Kurt Angle the follicle years. <laughs> and then he def- he defended against like so randomly China, China, Rikishi. And then I so need one of these shirts in my collection, you know, mm. China syndrome shirts. I need one. Anyway, uh, but then oh, then he becomes again the third and final Eurocontinental champion. The Eurocontinental champion by defeating uh, Jericho at No Way Out to become the Eurocontinental champion. Because he talks about how like things in Europe, enthusiasm, you know, the economy is up in Europe, but I've been champion. Whereas here, morale is down in the US. Because you have a guy like Chris Jericho representing you as your Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. So you people need me to also be your Intercontinental Champion. <laughs> and then he would defend the IC. You people need me. So he'd defend across Ron Smaddon and subsequent weeks he'd defend them separately. Like he'd defend the European title on episode of Raw, then Intercontinental on Smaddon, or vice versa. Like he'd defend the European title. There was a, a triple threat match <sighs> he had him versus, Kurt, him versus Chris Jericho and Taz. Because Taz randomly came around the Eurocontinental scene briefly and then was kind of cast aside for Chris Benoit. Like, mm. off you go to the hardcore title, Taz. Off you go. Yeah, off you go. We brought you in because you're this big DCW guy. But go on, nah, go. We don't care. Yeah, we don't care. But then we go on to a match where the, for the first time ever, he would defend both belts at the same time. A two falls, triple threat match. And he would lose both of them. Without being pinned. Yeah. Also... During this time, Bill Backlund was introduced to be his manager for a few weeks, and on the Sunday night heat of WrestleMania, Kurt would find out, oh, it was Backlund who set up this match, went, oh, I wanted to test you as a champion. Kurt responds to it by putting uh, Bob Backlund into a crossface chicken wing. I remember that. I think this is before the ankle, they wanted to give Kurt a submission move, so they first thought, let's give him the crossface chicken wing. That wouldn't last very long. But... No, that did not last long at all. <laughs> Kurt does a cool thing with the uh, the security guard before the, sh- before the match, went, Okay, so I'm going to need extra security as I'm on my way to the uh, my car later on because you know, after I retain my Eurocontinental title, I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans rushing to me wanting autographs and pictures with their Olympic hero. <laughs> he, <laughs> was, he was my Olympic hero, man. I loved him. And the, and the security guard just stands over very empathetically. I don't get paid enough to listen to your bullshit, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I remember at first year in business, I thought, that sounds like a stupid concept. That doesn't make any sense. Like, who can you have... Two falls for him. I thought that would be confusing. People watch the valley. It's a decent enough match. It's I mean, a great it's match. a bit jarring when the first fall ends for the Intercontinental title, and then you immediately need to start the next bit, which is for the European title. Any, any early match where fucking Jericho does a line salt mm-hmm. is perfectly fine with me. I, I do think the first fall, which is for the IC belt, has a lot more noteworthy spots in it, but I think the second fall... Mr. Psycho Boy wins that one, right? Yeah, Benoit wins it by hitting the diving headbutt on a Jericho. Oh, that's his name. Cool. Uh, but I think the second fall is where Angle, I think, for the first time ever does his moonsault. He misses it, of course he does, because he always misses. <laughs> uh, here's a question, if someone could try and answer it for me. Has there been a re- professional wrestling move that has, not, that has failed to connect more frequently than a Kurt Angle moonsault? Answer the postcard, please. Or on Twitter, if you live in the 21st century. But then, 
basically it's a very frantic pace. Like these are three workers properly getting a WrestleMania debut, and uh, someone plays their very loud music outside as we're trying to record. Yes. <laughs> Don't know if Shawn I can. Be- Michaels' original backbreaker fashion. What? That hit less on Angle's fucking Frazier. Alright. No one re- it hit less because no one really remembers it because it was gay. Alright. But. Like the music stopped out there. I don't know if it could be picked I up on that. I shit the music stops. There you go. I'm a helpful fucking dude. It's a decent light match. Uh, the crowd at the start of it are fairly quiet. I mean, earlier yeah. on in the night they'd seen a. Oh, the triangle ladder match. Dickheads. I mean, it's in, in California. I don't think California is known as a, a wrestling kind of hotbed. Unappreciative Californian dickheads. There you go. Sorry if any of our listeners are from California. You're not dickheads. Uh, I think the Spanish get for the air going out to side of it gets broken up when Jericho is caught on the cross trick. When Benoit breaks up, throws angle over the barricade to the outside, and then takes advantage of an injured Jericho by diving ahead. But and then what I thought was very smart, as soon as the bell rings, the first fall of the door, Ben was the IT champion, he immediately goes down and tries to pin Jericho again. Uh, which, which is what you would do. Uh, so that's the point where like, uh, like Angle is on the top rope, I think Jericho goes to follow him up, and then Ben follows him up, hits the back to the to Jericho, and then that's when Angle goes for the moonsault, and Angle misses it. This is the actual European portion of it. You know, Eight minutes, the uh, the total two falls are, but the actual European tail portion is around five minutes, so I think that means only three minutes for the IC tail scene, so I didn't think the European tail one would be longer than the IC tail portion of it. But it was actually, Tim White is the referee, RIP Tim White, obviously. Damn right, Tim White was the best fucking ref. There's a bit earlier on, bit earlier on where I think he does fuck up a call at one point, and he, I think he was the same referee earlier on who fucked up like the finishing, the timing for the, the hardcore battle royal. Tim so, White did. Aye. So basically he messes something up and then Gerald Law gets on to him like, yeah, what the hell is with Tim White tonight? He's just messing up everything. Or something along that line. It's very Gerald law but uh, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. Uh, Jericho taps out to uh, uh, Ben or Crossway, but Tim White's already knocked down. Angle comes in, uses the IC title as a weapon. Uh... Then he gets not down, he goes for the line, Benoit goes for the line, so Angle moves, but as Angle's rolling away to kind of recover for a second, he doesn't see that Jericho's lining up for the line, so hits yeah. it on Benoit, pins him, and then Angle has a bit of a freak out. Because <laughs> he lost both his belts. He's like, no, I didn't get pinned, that's my belt, tries to get the belt back off to him, like, no, it's not yours anymore. It's like, it's like when, when Taz debuted and beat him, and he's like, I was knocked out, so I didn't quit, so I didn't lose, right? And like, we, we don't know, we just want to make sure you're okay. He went, I, I didn't lose. That was an illegal knockout. That was an illegal joke. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it's, uh, but I do like, don't like the ending, but because like, Jericho wins, but then his music's playing, but they don't, they barely they show one shot of Jericho celebrating with the European belt, because most of it's on either Angle or Benoit on the other side celebrating with his IC belt. So you barely get to see Jericho and like, You'd be forgiven for forgetting that Jericho ever held the IC belt. No, well, you know, ever ever held the European belt, that is, because he only holds it for 24 hours. What an infamous career Benoit had. I know. Infamous. Mm-hmm. So then Jericho loses the very next night on Raw, thanks to China interference, allowing Eddie to win it. And, you know, actually my brother... Uh, oh, fuck, I remember that. 
Oh, go on, go on. I just remember Eddie winning titles. Like, I know, I know you, I know you, I know you're not a fan of Eddie Guerrero, but there are people who are fans. Of no, Eddie I'm a fan of Eddie Guerrero, but I'm not a fan of that whole Mama Sita crap. Like my brother started a kind of a retro review kind of thing, like during the lockdown, right? He was watching a lot more stuff in 2000, and he remembered all all of this, and so he revisited it. So he actually says that Eddie Guerrero is probably his, uh, his favorite European champion, which is you know, his opinion and everything. Really? Wow. Yeah. But when you think about it, with Angle being the champion, then Eddie winning it, so he had the high four point match at Mania. Jericho lose it because Jericho was really more suited to the IC title than the European yeah. title. But anyway, so you only get that one night of it, of Jericho being the champion. But Eddie wins it. Uh, he starts off as the coward hiding behind the bigger woman, but then they eventually become more of a double act. Uh, but Eddie then holding on to actually gets the title a lot more prominence than it had been had in a while because he'd had subsequent like title defenses across TV and on pay like. Defended on pay-per-view against uh, S.A. Rios at Backlash. He defended against Perry Saran and Dimolenko at Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. He wasn't defending that it. triple threat. Yeah, and then he defended it. Well, he wouldn't defend it at King of the Ring. He'd be in the, Europe, he'd be in the King of the Ring as champion, but he wouldn't win the King of the Ring. And he would lose it at fully loaded to Perry Saturn, which is, uh, I think the whole thing is, like, Perry Saturn was annoyed. He wasn't getting, like, proper, like, go, with it, go at being a champion when like the radicals were all went because like Dean won the light heavyweight Ben Y C Guerrero was like European. But then they kinda of, that led led to like, the break of the radicals because like Dean and Perry basically went to him like like you're spending too much time with this China, like why are you we're maybe a team? And then uh he basically took Eddie kinda of talked down to him like, you know, do you know what I think your problem is? I think you're sexually frustrated. But maybe ask China if she's got some friends. Mm-hmm. I think which then led into Dean Bosley doing the whole ladies man thing, but, but yeah, they, they they said to Perry Saturn like, "Don't worry, Perry. Eventually, you'll win a title as well." But I never knew Perry Saturn was a European champion. Yeah, how long was he a European champion? Not for very long. It was longer than a night, right? Yeah, longer than a night, obviously. Thank Christ. I don't, uh, so Eddie wins that. Hey, uh, he would defend it against people like oh, but he Bulldog gets a title shot. Really. Well, it could have been a three-time European champ. Yeah. Uh, D'Lo Brown got it. Obviously, the, the triple threat. Uh, Perry Saturn, uh, he defended on PV against Jericho at Insurrection. We did the watch along as well to that yeah, match we as did, well. Yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, obviously, Perry Saturn, as I said, got TV tail defenses before he got... Uh, he defended against Val Venus as well. They had a brief mini-feud before... Val went on to do a thing with Rikishi for the IC title. Yeah. And then it would be, like I said, fully loaded where... Uh, fully loaded where Barry Saturn would win it. And Barry Saturn would hold on to it until the end of August uh, where he would lose it to Al Snow. Oh, well. At least he lost it to somebody cool. Uh, he would defend the title against Malenko on WAF Jet with Barry Saturn defeat Crash Ollie, he retained the belt. Uh, at a random thing with Jericho, uh, Al Snow, he had, a th- he had a mini feud with Al Snow and then Al would lead to Al eventually win it. Although they didn't get a proper like, preview match because obviously t- he wins it at uh, uh, Fairly Loaded. Yeah. And August, the very next month, they're both in the sep- they're both in opposite corners to Perry and our Perry and Al for like the fucking cat Terry Reynolds match. Uh-huh. And then both of them are in like a six man thing for the Hardcore Bell Unforgiven. So Al Al Snow's reign is kind of he t- he did a more comical version while well, he was at European Champion did uh, did uh, Al Snow of like D'Lo Brown's like oh I'm from Europe I'm representing a different city 
be dressed up in the culture like stereotype of that say like you go dressed up and like what you think of like an Italian guy who dressed up in lederhosen for when he was representing Berlin I, I remember that or he dressed up as, as Dracula and sick claims he was hailing from Transylvania Transylvania so I'll know if he's starting on episode of Smackdown he defends it against likes of Taz X, Falk Test Albert your who's who of the mid card at that point but who he would then run afoul of another of another European person who didn't like Europe being disrespected. William Regal? That would be the good old William Regal. I recently returned to the company William Regal, who basically didn't like a f- as in his own words, a buffoon like Al Snow. Had, had William been uh, let go for his habits? He he came obviously as the, the real man's man. Yeah. And I, was, I just wonder if he had the same treatment that Eddie had, you know, like, like you're not quite right, go fix yourself. Yeah, he went away, he went actually to WCW for a week, went in 99, then left again. Got himself sorted out and then came back in 2000. Uh, he went Booze to, was his problem, wasn't it? No, it was kind of these prescription, like painkiller things he was uh. taking. And like he... He he went to like that training camp like the Dory Funk dojo they sent a lot of the new guys to like he went to he went to that in two thousand to kind of like get himself back into proper fighting shape fighting, again fighting shape and he came back as uh, his new gang was he wasn't turn, turn his cell from a Walter to a Gunther aye he he was he was a Stephen Reed when he first came in and then he came back as a uh, in two thousand as the WF's goodwill ambassador from the Europe William, William Regal. Regal and he came in and said like. She's trying to teach the uncouth Americans about manners and everything. Like, this is called a handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he showed people how properly, the Americans, how to properly use cutlery and shit like that. How do you think Regal would have worked with the Connecticut Blue Blood gimmick? Oh, no, well, he had a similar thing. He was in... Well, in, I know he, uh, he was, was in with Jean-Paul Rivet As the Blue Bloods, and, and they were made a thing that he let then. He did a thing where he educated the healthy redneck uh, Bobby Eaton to Sir Ro- to Earl Robert Eaton. Earl Robert Eaton. And they became a thing, and Dave Taylor was involved in them. One of my favourite memories of like, the Al Snow, your William Eagle thing, is that you can find this, I can't remember who he's facing, but Al Snow, William Eagle joins commentary on episode of SmackDown for the Al Snow title defence, right? And Al Snow comes out representing Hong Kong or whatever. <laughs> and then William Eagle is on commentary, just like, Oh, like he's astounded, like what? What's on earth is he doing? And like, oh, I think Al Snow is representing Hong Kong tonight. Like, Hong Kong is in Asia. It's nowhere near you, the bloody buffoon. Like, this is who you've got as your European champion. Obviously, the natural way this is, is for William Regal to win the European title from uh, Al Snow, which he does on the sixteenth of October, two thousand edition of Raw. All oh, Raw, cool. and, and he would be now one of only two Europeans to ever hold the European Championship. Only him and Davey. Aye, and they're both English. Like, so just only, only... Only two Europeans won the fucking European title. And basically their definition, is, their defi- definition according to Dave of European is just English. For the love of fuck. And how is this different? Your champion is English. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to insert that bloody... That Pretty sure you lost this one. I know. <laughs> I know. It's going to take a little time to step off this particular high horse. And can I mention some of the eclectic names that he defended the title against in his first reign? Yes, you can. Amigo would become a, a focal point in the last couple of years of the European title scene. In, betwe- in between in between little runs as WWF commissioner, which he was also very good at, I think. Who peed in his tea? Chris Jericho. What a cunt. I know. <laughs> but I do love his, uh, his facial expression when he, t- he finds when he realises it. Would he go? Like, 
uh, like, and, and the video page where it plays over it because you cannot disperse soil in the commission this tea. Did you make the face I would have made if I touched the Celtic shirt? Probably. Yeah, anyway, I would have been sick with that. Let too. me name, name you the names he defended the title again. He defended it in a triple threat match on an episode of SmackDown against Al Snow and Perry Saturn. He defended it on pay per view at No Mercy against an unfortunate <laughs> opponent of Naked Midian. Oh, fuck's sake. That, that was Medina Thong, right? Yes. Medina oh. should know. This show has taught us that Medina should have been nowhere near the European title, clothed or otherwise. And I do love when we did give a good interview, like, you're talking about a man who has to go around with no clothes on. You're still doing a Daphne. I'm, I'm not doing a Daphne. Daphne is more high pitched and more. There's a lot higher voice. This is William Regal, he's a lot more, more sophisticated. Okay, well, Daphne sounds like William Regal then. Oh, shut up. Benny Regal's not from Manchester. Neil's sheep by the vocals. <laughs> uh, again, Steve Blackman. Why would Steve Blackman win the European title? Because why, he because he's shite. Uh, fucking fuck you. That's a fight we're gonna have at a later date. That is a fight we are gonna have at a later date. Steve Blackman is a fucking legend, man. I love Steve Blackman and it's a fucking travesty he did not at least win an IC belt. And then he defended against uh, the Road Dog. He beat Hardcore Holly by DQ at Survivor Series 2000. Good. Uh, Scotty DeHotty defended the tail against Anderson Spanish. And then, uh, to the surprise of everyone, he got his homecoming to the UK at Rebellion 2002. He would lose the title to Crash Holly. At his homecoming? Yes. And against was, that wee daddy? Against Crash Holly, who got surprised, upset win and at Rebellion, only for a William Eagle. See, that was on the 2nd of December, and then on the 4th of December, uh, on the next episode of Raw, we go on it back, and went back to the States. Whose fucking bright idea was it to have him lose on home ground and then win it in a shithole that he wasn't even bothered about anyway? I don't know. But then, this would lead to him being a storyline where he beat up Crash and their, the other Holly cousin, Molly Holly, very brutally, which would then lead to Hardcore Holly coming back for another match with Regal uh, <laughs> at that year's Armageddon. <laughs> Which William Regal would also win. This Good. Time, this time legally and not by DQ. Good. Fucking heaven. Fucking William Regal haven't wore himself to crash. And so that would take us into the year of 2001. Uh, and I'll just mention this to end off. William Regal's second ring would come to an end in the 22nd of January episode of Raw in 2001 where Test would defeat Sir William Regal for the t- championship. Was that Test's only title run? Well, only title run with the Europeans. I think he does get a brief IC title run during the invasion. Oh, did he? And he's being a tag title scene. He actually won the, 2001's his best year title-wise. He wins the European title, gets a brief one as the hardcore champion. Gets the IC belt. He and Booker T become the tag <laughs> team champions. At one For point. how long? Oh, very briefly. An evening? A, a week or so. A week or so. Did they beat for it? I think they beat... Remember the Rock and Jericho won the tag titles at one point. I think then they beat... They either got Rock beaten. Jericho? I think they may have beaten the Rock and Jericho, and then they lost the belts to either the Dudleys or the Hardys, one of the two. Yeah. Well, the Hardys and the Dudleys won a lot. During the latter parts of the invasion, you were lucky to hold on to a belt for more than a fucking week at that point. And, and well, they're just playing pass the parcel at that point, aren't they? Oh, aye, aye. <laughs> because, like. Did the Brothers of Destruction, though, win the WCW belts? Yes, they won. They held both sets of belts at one point. Uh, how well, long did they hold them for? Well, they won the WCW belts before SummerSlam from O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo. Did they not fight Canyon and somebody? Aye, they beat, then they beat 
Canyon and DDP who were holding the WF title belts. And Canyon was also the US champion, which he'd randomly been given by Booker T. Because mm. uh, Booker T was double champion at the point. And uh, then they beat, they squashed Canyon and DDP in the cage match. Then they got cost the tag team titles, the WF ones, to the Dudleys by the debuting Chronic, which is Brian Adams and Brian Clark. Crushing. Atom Bomb. Adam Bomb. Oh, Crushing Adam Bomb? Yes. I liked Adam Bomb. Uh, and then they would lose, they would fight the, they would fight Chronic at Unforgiven, and the match was apparently received so badly that Chronic were pretty much let go. Like, we were both asked to go to developmental. I think Clark said aye. Adam said no, fuck that, he, and he left. Clark went down to EOVW for a while and then got released. Ah, that crush, right? Aye. Anyway. Well, I've, I've no, read, no, I've no read Clark a, was Adam Bomb. Adam's was Crush. Yeah, no, I've read a few people say that like Adam Bomb was one of the guys that if he'd have been pushed right, he could have been something, but was not. You you talked a few episodes ago about the Canyon thing, obviously, and the talk about Dark Side of the Ring. Obviously, he was ah, Canyon yeah. was a gay man. Well, yeah, I was gonna say Canyon was Mortis and that whole thing with Glacier. Well, I heard like with James Vanderbeek or James Mitchell as his manager. I heard the Mortis character was really, really quite pumped. It was a good character for Canyon, but I uh, but I don't think people really cared. It. All the WCW fans care, but then they add to it with a. Canyon teaming up with Mortis with Wrath, who was portrayed by Brian Clark, I was just uh, mentioned. Right, so, right. so it's ironic that then Brian Clark and uh, Mortis and uh, Canyon were attacking for a while, then they both, and then yeah, basically Chronic were basically jacked up guys, who basically they were made to be WCW's answer APA, but their thing was not beer, it was weed, but then you looked at the two and you're like, ah, oh, Chronic, I like, I like, you guys don't smoke weed, <laughs> but their finishing move was like a double powerbomb or chokeslam move called the High Tides. Oh. Canyon smoked something or wanted a joint. He did smoke. He did. He did like to put something in his mouth. But anyway, we're going into two thousand one, and we're going to talk about some of that bloody invasion swapping belts back and forth shit. Yeah. But we, as is our way, we did ramble a little, quite did, a bit. And we did stuff. quite a touch. And I think if we were carry on any further, we're going up on the two hours mark here. I think if we carried on any further, we'd feel like we were rushing through some of this. We, so, we would be here until next next show. I don't even think the European <laughs> title would warrant this much discussion, but there's been some really poor handling or some people involved in the European title scene who, de- who deserve some some more discussion. Well, I can just say, just as we're at the end, the European title, you might not think it deserves this much discussion, but the very fact that we have spent this much time on the topic just yeah. proves, you know, like the WWF, E... Mm-hmm. However you want to classify it, you know, I struggle at times because I, I struggle I struggle in the sense like WWF, that was my era of goodness. Mm-hmm. And then when it went to E, it was gay, you know, like I, like I say for world society, the minute we dubbed up the F, mm-hmm. that's when society started to die. I strongly believe that, you know, but the European title was and could have been a more higher title than it was. The European title as a concept mm-hmm. was a fantastically good thing. I think it it, it lacked its place once once Davey left the first time because mm. the thing was it was made for him for international tour and everything like yeah they still did some the occasional UK pay per view uh, and everything. But you, you look at it right. You had you had like you talk about peak European title era right. You had Davey. Mm-hmm. You had Owen because he was Canadian. That could. Because it's European, you know what I mean? That was... It's a, a North... Canada's part of North America. Canada's Canada. You know? Separate entity. It's not as fucked up. 
Yeah, it's Americans with less guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Americans. So yeah, sorry, Americans. You're cool. Your guns ain't, but you're cool. But you know, like the European title could have been a hell of a thing. It could have been like like. It could have been the second secondary title, like a proper mid-card, secondary mid-card title like the IC title was. Because mm-hmm. it could have been like, you know, like it could have been one of those stepping stone titles. You know, like it could have been like you're, you're in your tag division, say, for example, or you're, you're just a green mm-hmm. fucker, you know what I mean? And you you do your hardcore title run or your, your tag title run, you get your push, you, and then you go the European title run and then... European IC, and then eventually, if you've got the cajones, you go up to the main belt. You know uh-huh. what I mean? But that could have been something. And if the dub had actually put a lot more thought into it, the European title could have been a very significant belt instead of being a what it ultimately became, which was a very throwaway title. Uh, and I mentioned in part one, I felt like you know, if it was set up to fill like the after that, the only purpose it really had was to be a similar, very similar version of the IC belt. But the IC belt already had a lot of history by that point, so for a lot of people, it basically like, ah, uh, well, you're not quite the IC level, or you're not fitting in the IC title scene right now. You go fight for the European title. So basically, a lot of like what the US title suffered with in the late two thousand that that and the IC title fit the same purpose, but they just that seemed like they had the time for it. Yeah. You know, so like the lack of purpose, you know, I mean, even the light heavyweight tail, which we talked about how poorly handled uh, that belt was, at least it had a purpose, it had a division, it had a group of guys who could have been in that scene. Yeah. Whereas the European tail didn't really have that, it didn't have a scene. No, it, it never really had. It, had. it had potential to have a scene, but it just, it was never properly fleshed out. It was like, you see the frequency of how already by the point we're at, it's going to deject and, and heat on a more frequent basis for the title defences. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, you can get it on once, I did it as with the IC belt, but it was only on rare occasions, especially after SmackDown was interested, you'd see the IC champion on, on heat defending the title. Like, yeah, in the early days of heat, when it was just raw and heat, yeah, you'd get your airplane title match on there. Yeah. But then, after a certain point, when SmackDown became a regular thing, I don't think you saw the IC champion on heat as often. Yeah. Because IC yeah. champion had a bit I mean, more of a, you a look place. At, you look at your first uh, major guys that fought over the European title, you had Davey, mm-hmm. you had Sean, you had Owen, mm-hmm. you had uh, Davey, Sean, Owen, Triple H. Yeah. Those were four solid dudes. Yeah. But Davey had respect for that belt. Uh-huh. Sean couldn't give a fuck. Owen cared about that belt. Triple H seen it as a means to an end. Yes. You know, and there lies the problem. Uh-huh. Sean and Triple H was the problem. That was a problem. Because, you know, Davey, res- Davey respected every goddamn title he was given. Yeah. You know what I mean? He respected every belt he held. Sean got it, and I love Sean. Mm-hmm. But Sean at that time, he was an asshole. Oh. No respect for any title on the main belt. That's the main. That's the thing he cared about. It was just so you could say he held it because that made him a Grand Slam yeah, champion. Yeah, that was so you like, oh, I've won every belt. Ha ha ha. Uh-huh. And then Owen, instead of going with Triple H and putting it on him, we could have really pushed that belt and put it on Owen and made a major program and put it on a guy who probably really respected and represented that belt. Uh-huh. But they never done it. Mm-hmm. They should have done it. But they never done it. 
They could have killed two birds with one stone in that regard. They could have given respect both to the title and to Owen. They never did. Yeah. Okay. And that that is the ultimate sad situation when it comes to the European title. But if, as, as we're discussing, we're going to go into a third part, I think we can do a thing... Hopefully the WWF didn't do and hopefully on our third part we can at least finish with giving some proper prestige yeah. to a European title. I, I understand, I agree, because uh, there's uh, one or two facts about the European title that might surprise you that I'm going to bring to you in part three. Yeah. Uh, uh, that I've been holding on to. Well, I'm, 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 I'm very much looking forward to hearing it. But I think also we weren't expecting to go into two parts. Well, I thought it was a possibility, but I didn't expect three, so... Also, you heard part one last week. Part two this week, we're going to take a break because also we have a little plan of what we want to do in the, yeah, the coming do, months and uh, some good stuff coming in. Other retrospectives, I don't know how many parts those will be broken up into, <laughs> depending on the subject. But we're going to take a couple of weeks. Uh, next week, I'm very excited. I know Paul probably will be too. Next week, we're back to Eclectic Escapades, Paul. And Bugs Life! Bugs Life! Hell yeah! We're going to talk about I'm David Hyde... I'm going to watch that twice before we review it. We're going to talk about David Hyde Pierce as the stick insect in that film. And a, and a decent voice cast as well, I think, for that team as David well. David Hyde Pierce, Kevin Spacey... Before the issues... Let, let's not De- talk about his issues! De- Dennis Leary... Dennis Leary... Uh, Dave Foley voices Flint, he was a popular comedian at the, the time. The chick that plays the queen... The <laughs> I can't remember who plays the queen. Or the idea. princess, whatever her fucking name is, but she was cool too. You know? John Ratzenberger is there because he's always there in a Pixar movie. John Ratzenberger is cool. You're a walking stick. It's funny. I know. <laughs> Flaming. Duh. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be a nice little change from what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, make sure to. <laughs> Check out that in our back, the last part in our back catalog. If you didn't check oh, out in our past, there, there will be so much laughter when we cover Bugs Life. So much, we will go. Ha, 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 ha. I, I found some interesting facts when we did our last little series about Toy Story 2. I'm going to try and see if I can find some interesting shit about the behind the scenes of Bugs Life I as hope well. You do. Can we talk about that, that, that little thing in, I think, this, you know, those little cutaways that Pixar do yeah. in the second Toy Story? Where you've got you've got uh, Heimlich and and Flick. Mm-hmm. I think he's Heimlich, yeah. the little fat caterpillar. Yeah. He's like, can't believe he got him like Bugs Life too. <laughs> I cannot believe it. Also, <laughs> but it 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 two movie, but it's not a Bugs Life too. <laughs> what? Ah, <laughs> oh, chop, <laughs> and they they get chopped by Buzz, and everything is terrible. But it's a very funny bit. <laughs> it's very funny, yes. We'll be back before Randy gets home. <laughs> what? What is? <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I'm going to find some behind-the-scenes info about that. Make sure you check out our past Clyde to Gascabase, like Toy Story 2, our past Frasier, our other retrospectives, and other wrestling content in our back catalogue, both on our feed and on the Broke Opinions feed, whenever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Podbean, maybe you choose your podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SPWeldon, follow Rogue Opinions at Rogue and Scorpions, get me at Scumicline1996. Hey, I did it! Good for you. Yay, I balanced the glass on my forehead. <laughs> you can plug up Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash ramblingpodcast. 
Rambling. <laughs> yes. As we do a fair bit of that today. We do a lot of that. Yes, we do. It's our way. It is our way. Mostly his fault. Why me? <laughs> because I don't want to take blame. I'm an innocent. There are many things. Innocent is not one of them. Even I can't fess up to that one. I'm not an innocent. I'm a cunt. <laughs> but you at least you know it. You at least you admit it. But I'm a lovable cunt, me. Yes. And from a couple of lovable cunts who like the European title and want to show respect, hopefully you've enjoyed first two parts and you look forward to part three in a few weeks' time. Don't you realise how much you we love you people? We are giving you a three-parter, man. We love you, man. <laughs> yes, yes. This we... is where you're supposed to go, thank you. <laughs> anyway. And watch Wayne's World. Anyway, until next time. Bye-bye, everybody. See ya. See ya.